You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You are listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. Not over yet. No, there is another. Chewie, we're home. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors regarding uh, Solo, A Star Wars Story, Star Wars Episode Nine, and all the other new and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, what's up, Kyle? Doing good. You know how I always said that I was couldn't wait for the moment where Last Jedi and, Han's, and Solo Star Wars stories were always six months apart. And boy, this past week was just proof of how, <laughs> of why I was just so excited about that. Because how awesome was it that we're, The Last Jedi is still in theaters, you know, showing, sorry, you know, kind of dwindling, but they're still out there if you want to go see it. And then boom, we got a trailer already for a new Star Wars movie that is just, you know, three months away. And it's just going to be here before you know it. So this is exactly what I was hoping for. Once we knew these movies were only going to be six months apart, it's been, you know, nonstop Star Wars goodness. So, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, man, it's crazy. Like, we've only done two episodes really talking about The Last Jedi, at least since it's been out. I mean, we Mm -hmm. talked about it all last year in the lead up to it. But, um, I mean, it feels like there's still so much more to talk about with that movie. And I'm sure we will... Uh, get back to that, especially once, uh, you know, the Blu-ray comes out and we get some deleted scenes and the novelization hit stores and all that good stuff. Um, but, you know, in the meantime, yeah, like you said, it feels like we're, you know, not even over The Last Jedi yet. Um, and already we have so much to talk about on this episode that is just jumping us right into the future of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, So, you know, let's just jump right into it. Um, Obviously, we're going to have a lot to talk about on this episode in regards to Solo, A Star Wars Story. Um, But before we get to that, let's talk about the um, sort of more recent breaking news and the big surprise that came this week, uh, which was the announcement that the creators and showrunners of Game of Thrones, uh, David uh, Benioff and D.B. Weiss, are going to be creating a new series of Star Wars films. Um, And they don't even, like, we don't know if it's a a two-parter, a trilogy, or, like, four or five movies. It's just a series. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be something else, like, sort of like Ryan Johnson's trilogy that is going to be separate from the Skywalker saga. Um, And, man, like, this came out of nowhere, but... 
Um, Tim, I think I can probably speak for both of us as the huge Star Wars and Game of Thrones fans we are, that this is freaking awesome. <laughs> oh, yes, man. Talk about a surprise to get this week to go along with all the awesome solo stuff we were getting. I mean, this just came out of nowhere, but it was awesome. I and mean, yeah, I mean, we're pretty recent. We're recent Game of Thrones fans. I mean, we kind of got into it at the same time around 2016. But, man, I'm so glad we did because not only is it an awesome series and we get to, you know, enjoy that story, but now the same creators and storytellers for that show are going to be doing Star Wars films. I mean, yeah, I was super excited when I heard it. Definitely shocking, but, you know, I was pumped to, you know, know that they're going to be joining the creative Star Wars family now and doing a, a series of films. It's like you said, I was questioning as far as what exactly the series of films going to be. They didn't say trilogy, so is it going to be more or less than that? Or just kind of up in the air to see how it goes. They'll start off with one and maybe build off that. It's going to be interesting. But another interesting part about this announcement, which wasn't in the official press release, but during one of those investors calls or investors meetings that Bob Iger does, he revealed that, you know, they were kind of in development or talking with uh, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss about, you know, developing a series for the new streaming services that's going to come out from Disney in 2019. But they kind of didn't want to do another TV show again. They wanted to make the jump uh, to films and movies. And so that's where I guess this deal happened with them being in charge of developing new Star Wars films. So, yeah, I can't wait to see what they're going to bring about. I mean, it's to me anyway, it sounds a little similar to what their roles were for Game of Thrones as far as being producers and writing um, certain episodes for uh, that series. And that's what they're going to be doing here in the description or the press release. It says they're going to be writing and producing this new series. So, um, of course, they're going to have to get directors for these films and maybe uh, they'll be in charge of certain movies, but have different writers from as well. So it's a lot of questions still up in the air. But, man, I'm just excited for the potential of what you know they can do on the star wars realm after seeing you know what they did in game of thrones so yeah i was really excited to hear this news earlier this week mm -hmm. and you know i'll just go ahead and read the press release here um and this is from starwars.com it says david benioff and db weiss are going from winterfell to a galaxy far far away it was announced today and this is of course from february 6th so not today as we're recording this but um, it was announced today that Benioff and Weiss, creators of the smash hit Emmy award-winning television series Game of Thrones, will write and produce a new series of Star Wars films. These new films will be separate from both the episodic Skywalker saga and the recently announced trilogy being developed by Ryan Johnson, writer-director of Star Wars The Last Jedi. Um, and then David and Dan are some of the best storytellers working today, said Kathleen Kennedy, president of Lucasfilm. Their command of complex characters, depth of story, and richness of mythology will break new ground and boldly push Star Wars in ways I find incredibly exciting. Um, in the summer of 1977, we traveled to a galaxy far, far away, and we've been dreaming of it ever since, Benioff and Weiss said in a joint statement. We are honored by the opportunity, a little terrified by the responsibility, and so excited to get started as soon as the final season of Game of Thrones is complete. No release dates have been set for the new films, and there have thankfully been no sightings of White Walkers around Lucasfilm. Um, so, yeah, again, just hugely exciting news here. Um, obviously, these movies aren't going to be coming out anytime real soon because they do say, you know, they're excited to start working on this once they're done with the final season of Game of Thrones, which I think recently got announced that that's not going to be airing until 2019, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so I would not expect to see any of these movies until, you know, the first movie in this series until probably 2021 or 2022. Um, 
you know, depending on when Game of Thrones airs, like if they, uh, if the final season airs like early 2019, they could maybe have the first movie ready to go by like Christmas of 2021 or something like that. Um, but anyway, so, you know, definitely at least like three or four years off, if not more. Um, but still very exciting just to think of what the possibilities might be for this. Um, so Tim, let me ask you a couple questions that I want to speculate on here. Um, first of all, what would you want to see these new movies be about? Um, obviously we're taking a total shot in the dark here cause there's like nothing to go off of, but just, <laughs> you know, first kind of knee jerk reaction. Like what do you, what part of like, what kind of star Wars material would you want to see these guys tackle? And then second of all, now that we have these guys doing a series of star Wars movies that's separate from the Skywalker saga and we have Ryan Johnson doing a separate trilogy and, you know, still potentially whatever other standalone films they might have in development. Um, do you think all of this is going to take the place of the Skywalker saga for now? Like, do you think it's going to either be done or at least on hold after episode nine? Yeah. Well, first off, so what I'm hoping to see what this their series of films is going to be about. I mean, can I just assume that they're going to be doing a series of Captain Phasma origin stories <laughs> <laughs> with the series? I mean, we got the novel. They could just go ahead and build on that. That's what everyone wants, right? <laughs> but yeah, as much as I would love to see that, I don't think that's going to happen. But I mean, I think you would agree. I know, actually, I know you would agree. But for a lot of fans, it's hard just not to immediately go to the old Republic era. I mean, it just seems like a perfect match. I mean, even if it's not, you know, directly Knights of the Old Republic with Revan and Malik and all those type of characters, but just in that Old Republic setting with, you know, a big army of Jedi, I guess, a big army of Sith, that which is something we've talked about a lot now. We're just dying to see on the screen. And we even speculated about uh, Ryan Johnson's trilogy maybe even going that route. But with this announcement about <laughs> Benioff and Wise doing a series of star wars films it makes more sense for them to do a story about that so that's you know was my first inclination when i heard that i mean good knights of the republic game of thrones you know like just with the scale of battles that they showed they can do on that show and putting that in the star wars context can be something really really awesome but at the same time i gotta admit it just seems you know too easy in a way for them to do that where it does seem like it would fit their style perfectly that they wouldn't want to do that and try something completely different than what they've done on Game of Thrones. So uh, at the same time, even though I think it's the perfect match, I could also see them doing something totally completely different. That's, you know, not going to be only public or big scale battles like they did on Game of Thrones. So I don't know. I have what I hopefully want to see, but at the same time, I'm not, you know, tying myself to that, you know, hope and speculation that that is what's going to happen because I could totally see them doing some opposite too. So we'll have to wait and see, but that's kind of my, you know, knee-jerk reaction when I first heard the announcement. And in regards to about the series of films, you know, kind of replacing the saga films and the Skywalker saga, I actually think, yeah, that is what's happening here. I mean, we don't know for sure and it all depends on how episode nine wraps up, but even if, they do have plans to do more saga films for 10, 11, and 12. It's going to be a long ways off, which I am totally okay with. And even when we got the announcement of Ryan Johnson's trilogy, how I said how that's going to be, you know, a perfect stopgap to get 
Ryan's films and then more standalone films in between, you know, the time where the saga films are over. But now we got this new series of films coming. I mean, it's going to be a lot of Star Wars coming in the next couple of years. That's not going to be associated with the Skywalker saga. And yeah, I think it's perfectly fine to have a nice gap between, you know, saga saga trilogies. And there's been talking, you know, reactions about this news about the possibility of Star Wars becoming a little oversaturated with films or, you know, having it not be as special, which for me, I don't think is the case. I'm going to welcome more Star Wars movies every time the announcement. I don't find myself ever getting tired of new Star Wars stories as long as they're different and well-made. But when you're talking about the saga films, I think that is something where you need to space out and to have that specialness with it over a period of time to introduce new characters from the saga and then mixing it in with, you know, what's going to be classic characters pretty soon with, you know, Ray, Finn, Poe, and we'll see what happens with Kylo. But you'd want some time to pass before we're spending time with them again in a new set of movies. So I think, yeah, this is going to be it for the Skywalker saga for a bit. But at the same time, I'm going to be perfectly okay with that, with the announced movies we've got so far. And who knows what Lucasfilm has down the pipe as far as what they haven't announced yet and what's going to come in between those times so it's exciting to, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> had to clear my throat there yeah i'm glad you did but <laughs> i think i kind of understood what you're coughing up there but <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally that's the perfect example and i'm still waiting for a boba fett announcement as well kenobi and boba fett are the two standalone films i'm hoping are the next two that lucasfilm's going to announce sometime soon because yeah just mix that in with Ryan's trilogy and Benioff and Weiss's series of films. I mean, there's still going to be plenty to be excited about after we're finished with episode nine. So, yeah, it's just, man, just fun to see you talk about. And looking forward to this again, almost like a new era of Star Wars again after we finished with the sequel trilogy, which we've talked about before how hard it is to believe we're almost done with that. And next year it'll be it for the sequel trilogy. But as our introduction says, the future is still bright indeed for oh, the Star yeah. Wars saga. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think that between this series and Ryan Johnson's trilogy, it's like we're going to get even more, you know, meaty kind of, you know, big Star Wars stories than like just the sequel trilogy. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, that's just going to be three movies by the time it wraps up. But um, yeah, and it, like you said, it's crazy to think that like that's going to be over next year already. Of course, I mean, it's really like basically two years away but um yeah i don't know so going back to this new series that these guys are doing um you couldn't see me obviously but as you were talking about the possibility of them doing a story set in the old republic era i was grinning ear to ear and nodding my head <laughs> along with you like an idiot the entire time um because i remember like i was at work like when this news broke and i just happened to see it on my phone like when i was on a break and that was the immediate first thing that popped into my head because i remember like we had talked about that with ryan johnson's trilogy and like what kind of stories would we want to see him tell and this was of course before the last jedi came out but we were thinking that you know we were going to get a lot more like jedi history and mythology and stuff built into that movie and so i was like oh and it would be really cool to then like go back and see him fully kind of flesh that out and you know see some of those stories come to life um so i wanted to see ryan johnson do like an old republic era movie um and then as soon as i saw this announcement i was like nope i take it back i want these guys to do it um <laughs> 
because man like and again whether it's a direct adaptation of like darth revan and darth malik or just something completely different that's you know set in that time period but kind of tells their own version of the story like i don't care regardless of what it is just give us something where there's a lot of jedi and a lot of sith um because i mean that is kind of at least hinted at in the official canon stuff of star wars mm -hmm. like even in phantom menace when they're talking about um darth maul being a sith and they're like oh that's impossible the sith have been extinct for a millennia so let's yeah. tell a story more than a millennia ago and see a time when there were lots of jedi and lots of sith and you know some big epic war between them um like how freaking cool would that be and especially you know again with the guys behind game of thrones like responsible for that um man i just it's it, like you said, it might be too perfect. Um, and they might not want to kind of be pigeonholed into that same thing of like, you know, kind of having like a medieval mythology kind of feel to it. Um, but at the same time, like, why would you not want to take that expertise from Game of Thrones and apply it to something in the Star Wars universe? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want it to feel like just Game of Thrones in space, but and I'm sure they don't either. They probably want to, you know, get to kind of stretch their creative muscles a little bit and, and get to do something a little bit different that they haven't done before. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that time period and really, you know, any time period before the movies, I think is just such a fertile ground for telling stories. Um, and I would love to see what sort of the canon versions of these stories in this time period is going to be like and see, you know, what, if anything, they kind of keep from the old Legends EU and what kind of new stuff they introduce or like what new directions they go with it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I can't predict that that's what's going to happen. But for now, that is definitely top of my wish list as far as stuff that I would love to see these guys tackle because they could just knock it out of the park. But even if that ends up not being the direction that they go, I'm still going to be really excited to see whatever they come up with. Um, and not just because it's Star Wars, but because I think regardless of, you know, whatever era it's set in or whatever time period, I do think that they're going to be able to build some really rich lore mm -hmm. and mythology into it just because, I mean you see so much of that with game of thrones and you know the just the world building of it and you know for those of you who've listened to us for a while you know like that's kind of one thing that i love about star wars but that i feel like the sequel trilogy is lacking is really feeling like sort of adding more kind of depth and layers to just the overall universe um of of star wars and just seeing kind of more of the galaxy at large and getting more interesting backstories and cultures and all that kind of stuff like i love the the main characters that, we, that we've got in the sequel trilogy and i love the um the action and the stories and all that but it in some ways it feels kind of smaller scale especially from the prequels um and, you know, being such a huge fan of, like, the prequels and the Clone Wars and stuff and just all the the mythology and the history of, you know, the, the wars and the different planets that you see. And especially in the Clone Wars TV series with, like, Mandalore and Dathomir and all this kind of stuff. Like, bring some more of that stuff into the movies. Um, and I think this would be, you know, these are two perfect guys to, to um, you know, work with some of that kind of stuff. So I cannot wait to see what they come up with. You know what, as you were talking about, you know, the line from the Phantom Menace with Kiati Mundi saying the Sith has been extinct for almost a millennia. 
it, I immediately thought of something else I would love to see from them if they decided to do it. The story of Darth Bane. Yes. I mean, I think that could be, just, even going off the trilogy of novels that we got from him, if they mine certain things from that, there's like great character development and character arcs in the story of Darth Bane that I think they would be perfect for. I mean, he's kind of a character where, you know, he's a bad guy and evil, but you kind of root for him in certain aspects. And, you know, there's characters like that in Game of Thrones. I mean, Jamie Lannister comes to mind as someone you didn't necessarily root for in the early stages of the series, but it's kind of become a fan favorite later on. And just that character growth they could probably do with a character like Darth Bane, who's someone who we know is evil and, you know, was the one of the last Sith who established the rule of two and just has that world building and, you know, lore wisdom that you were talking about that, they could do a great job with. So that would be another one that I would love to see them do. So yeah, I'd definitely put Darth Bane up there high on my list with the LV public too. Now that I think about it, just from a characterization standpoint, they could do wonders with them. Now here's a thought. What if instead of doing like an episodic series of movies where it's all like kind of one big story told over multiple films, what if it's more of like, a series of anthology films and they mm-hmm. just make like a bunch of standalone movies about different Sith Lords mm. and they could do like a Revan movie and a Bane movie and a Plagueis movie. Man, that, <laughs> that sounds awesome too. I mean, even if it's just not an anthology of Sith Lord movies, as awesome as that would be, even if it's just an anthology of different Star Wars movies as well kind of you know bring that star wars anthology title back mm-hmm. <laughs> to more so i'd be down for that but specifically even if you're just talking about sith lord stuff man <laughs> there's tons they could do with that too and you mentioned three big ones right there that you know we're just we're begging for more stories about <laughs> in revit's case to be fully into the new canon which would be amazing so geez yeah <laughs> that would be awesome yeah and, that would be cool and, and I, oh good no, I'm just thinking, too, you were mentioning about that, the series and how I was talking about earlier when Bob Iger mentioned about possibly having them develop a TV show for the new streaming service. I wonder if Disney and Lucasfilm will ever want to do a movie for that streaming service. I mean, some Star Wars is something that you think of when you talk about movie is a theatrical experience you want to see on a big screen with a bunch of people. But I wonder if that's something they'll ever you know, think about doing in the future. Maybe not... I don't think uh, Benioff and Weiss films is going to be something that's going to be on the streaming service. They'll probably do something for a theatrical release. But it made me think we're maybe down the line if that'll be something they'll explore in the future. You know, a Star Wars movie will make the jump from a theater experience to a streaming experience, which would be interesting. And you would think that that would be a big, even though it's going to have its own TV show for that streaming service, I imagine having a full-blown star wars movie on there would just even draw bigger attention and probably more viewers to that streaming service so i was just thinking about it as we were talking about this news as far as uh, you know benioff and weiss first being asked about doing a tv show for the streaming service if disney will ever consider doing that so it'll be interesting to look out for to see if that ever comes to fruition down the line mm-hmm. well you know it was interesting because i read that article um just with, you know, kind of recapping like Bob Iger on that, uh, that conference call. And I think if I remember right, he said like, even though obviously these guys are like most famous for Game of Thrones being a really successful TV show, like somebody was asking him like if they had considered having these guys 
um, do a TV show. And apparently, I mean, he made it sound like they were the ones who approached Lucasfilm and said, like, hey, we'd love to, like, work with you guys on some Star Wars stuff. And their interest the entire time was just in doing movies. So he mm-hmm. made it sound like the the idea of these guys doing a TV show, like, never really came up. Um, but I think he did also say that, like, I mean, we've heard the rumors for a long time about, you know, a possible Star Wars TV series. And obviously now we know there's going to be something going on with this uh, this streaming service. But he made it sound like they have multiple projects in development. Yeah. Um, and kind of similar to, like, what Marvel is doing on Netflix with Daredevil right now. Um, I mean, again, there's so many stories you can tell in the Star Wars universe. Like, why limit yourself to just one series? Um but as far as movies go, I think we could see some animated Star Wars movies mm. um, on the streaming service. As far as live action stuff, I mean, I think live action Star Wars movies will always be a theatrical experience. At least, I mean, I kind of hope so. Because with as much as it's spreading out to comics and novels and video games and now you know, streaming platforms and all that kind of stuff. Like, that's all fine and good. And, I mean, the more content, the better. Um, But I do, I still like the idea of the, at least the movies being, like, a big release thing that we can all go see in the theater and, you know, get excited for. And it's not just going to, like, randomly pop up on your your Disney Netflix, whatever it's going to be called, you know, on a random Tuesday afternoon. Like, um, I don't know, That that's something that I would just like to see the the movies themselves still be kept as like a theatrical thing. But again, like animated movies, I could definitely see being on there. Um, and then, you know, I, again, just endless possibilities when it comes to live action series, um, especially because like, I think like, even though Netflix does a lot of like original movies and stuff that get streamed on there too. Um, I think especially when it comes to Star Wars, A, there will always be an audience for that in the theater. And B, I think it might be smarter to like specifically use the streaming platform as a way to tell certain kinds of stories that are better told over like a 10 episode series that you can binge watch um, instead of like a two hour movie. Um, But I don't know. I mean, I can't wait to see like what they end up doing with that because, you know, whether it's movies or just a bunch of series or whatever, like... You know, I'm picturing like five years from now, like just think of how much Star Wars content we're going to have. I mean, if they keep going at the pace of like one movie a year, we'll have like five more movies by then. And then who knows how many different series and and different media projects and stuff we'll be able to watch online um, on the streaming service that they've got going. Um, Because, of course, you got live action stuff. And like I was talking about, they could possibly do animated movies, but also and we know that they're working on something after Star Wars Rebels, um, mm-hmm. as far as like more animation projects, and who knows if it's a movie or some more animated shorts or just another you know full like uh, animated series like in the same vein as Rebels and Clone Wars. But regardless of whatever that is, I'm guessing that that's gonna just that's also gonna be something that's gonna debut on that streaming service, um, especially because that's supposed to be dropping sometime in 2019. Um, I don't think we're going to see anything else on like Disney XD or Cartoon Network. I think that's going to be another thing that they're going to try to use to draw people into that streaming service. Um, and I'm really hoping, like, I think that would be the perfect platform to have, you know, finally finish the Clone Wars with a Siege of Mandalore, like animated movie. Yes. <laughs> um, yep. But, you know, even if I like my two biggest things that I want to see from animated Star Wars is that and a series about, 
Luke training his new generation of Jedi and training young Ben Solo um, and have kind of like a, a Jedi Academy focused, you know, TV series or even some other kind of thing just set in between episode six and seven where you could at least see Luke as like a reoccurring character, like popping up every now and then. Um, but I think getting to see him in his element, like training his Jedi students would be really cool. So those are the two things that I'm hoping for when it comes to animation. And then as far as live action stuff, like who knows what they've got going on, but man, just the possibilities are endless. Yeah. That's a good point you made about if any type of film being on that streaming service, it being anim animated. And I wholeheartedly agree that if they do decide to do that, number one should be the Siege of Mandalore. I mean, not going to stop banging that drum till we fully get that story in some shape or form. <laughs> I mean, I'm hoping it's a movie or something, but even if it's like in a comic or a novel, at least I'll have closure on knowing that that's all we're going to get for it. But until we get that story officially told in its you know completion, I'll be banging that drum for an animated movie. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> but well, I just thought it was I, I can't help but think that like if we were going to get that in a novel or comic form, we would have gotten it by now. That is very true too. Yep. Right. Yeah, like we already, we already got the Ahsoka book and all that kind of stuff. Like I, I can only hope that, you know, the reason that, you know, some of this, some of these Clone Wars stories that we've heard kind of teased over the years, the reason that they're still, you know, haven't been released is because they've got kind of bigger plans for them, or at least we're thinking that, hey, one day this could make a good thing to go on, you know, Netflix or on a streaming service or something like that. Yeah, so hopefully that is the case. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought it was interesting to think about the possibility of a Star Wars movie being on there because we know it's becoming more and more popular movies, at least on Netflix, just, you know, debuting on there now and just not even being in theater. So just wondering if Star Wars will ever come to that but i kind of am in agreement with you at least for the foreseeable future i think it's going to be meant for a theatrical experience but at the yeah. same time i don't think i'd really complain either because it's something comforting and <laughs> just convenient about having to pop directly to your streaming service and watching it at home but that's true I don't... but i also love to watch it on the biggest screen possible that yeah that's definitely the draw of it as well <laughs> and maybe speaking from experience of just waiting in line for hours for any star wars movies it makes it more convenient <laughs> too so that's probably another reason why i wouldn't mind it too much but either way we know we're going to see whatever <laughs> which way they're given to us yeah oh absolutely um and then as far as you know my other question that you answered like 20 minutes ago that i haven't gotten around to yet but um just yeah as far as these movies possibly replacing episode nine. I mean, that was another thing that I thought immediately, like when I first heard this news is I was like, okay, I think they're definitely putting the saga films on hold after this. And we've even heard rumors that they might just end the saga films after episode nine. And we've heard yeah. some stuff about um, how it's supposed to, you know, tie together like all three trilogies really well and kind of put a nice bow on things. Um, so, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, obviously, we know nothing about like what is actually going to happen in episode nine or anything at this point. But um, I mean, I would be okay with that. Like, I, I guess, yeah. Regardless of whether they just end the saga films or whether they just kind of put it on hold and then pick it up again in another ten, fifteen years or something and do another trilogy, I would be fine with that either way. 
Um, but it also kind of depends on how episode nine ends. Like if it ends in a way that's like, okay, they've wrapped it up nicely, but also leave a lot of room for more stories to be told. And I really want to find out what happens after this, then, you know, I'd be disappointed if they were like, nope, that's it. Like no more stories about Ray or Luke or anybody else. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely glad that it's not just going to be like, okay, episode nine and then 10, 11, 12, 13, just every two years for the rest of forever. Um, I mean, I've beat that drum a lot of times on our show before talking about how I just love the idea of every generation having their own Star Wars trilogy. Um, and hey, if, you know, we finish up this episodic trilogy, but then our, you know, this generation also gets like an Old Republic trilogy and a whatever trilogy Ryan Johnson's working on and, you know, all these other stories, I mean, that'll be awesome. But as far as the, uh, you know, just sort of the main saga films, um, yeah, I'm totally cool with them, like, just sort of giving those a rest for now. And, again, just having all these other, whether it's standalone films or standalone trilogies or series or whatever else, um, just exploring all the other vast corners of the Star Wars universe and telling, you know, new and exciting stories that don't have to have anything to do with, um, you know, Luke or Ray or any of our main protagonists and just getting to break some new ground, um, I think is going to be really cool. Um and, uh, you know, it's interesting, too, because, like, I think that might be for the best regardless of kind of how you feel because, you know, obviously there's been a lot of negative backlash to The Last Jedi, too. Um, and we've given our thoughts on that. And, you know, I think we're both definitely on the side of, you know, being fans of that movie. Um, and so I'm not like, oh, no, they killed it. They need to just, like, put it down for now. But, hey, if people, if some people feel like that, it's like, okay, well, you still get to enjoy some other stories without feeling like they're kind of messing up the ones for your from your childhood, if that's how you feel about it. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think this might be, like, the best move overall. Um, and, you know, again, I'm not saying that they, like, they messed up and they need to step away from it. I think it's just a good time to, like, kind of give the main series a rest and let's see what we can do with you know, all these other <clears throat> awesome possibilities of stories that we can tell with Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, even looking at The Last Jedi, we can kind of see that Lucasfilm is, you know, wanting to, you know, move away from, you know, Skywalker family and legacy with the stories they're trying to tell. I mean, just with Ray's parents being a nobody and her not being connected to Luke or Han or that family legacy, it kind of seems that, you know, Episode Nine will be the one that closes the book on the Skywalker saga in the skywalker family for good if depending on what happens with ben solo but just even from you know filmmaking and just development process for where lucasfilm and disney wants to go next i mean it's not as we're talking about you know if they're going to continue on 15 years later with episodes 10 11 12 the possibility is there that you know maybe ryan johnson's trilogy becomes you know a new generation of star wars like their new the star wars trilogy for them that kicks off you know, great characters that people just love. And then that's going to be a new set of characters that they're going to follow with for, you know, a few generations where maybe we'll get a continuation of Ryan Johnson's trilogy and, you know, just kind of not necessarily being tied with the Skywalker saga at all, but kind of creating a new you know, family saga, so to speak. I don't know if it's going to be about a specific family, but, you know, just new characters being created that, fans and kids are going to grow up loving and they're going to want to see again years down the line where uh, Lucasfilm doesn't have to worry about reopening the Skywalker saga with 10, 11, and 12. They can reopen the story that Ryan Johnson told or maybe this new series of film 
uh, by Benioff and Weiss. Maybe that'll spark a chord with a generation, and that's what people gravitate towards too. So there's just a lot more potential with these new Star Wars stories being in development that that could be a new generation of fans. Uh, first exposure to Star Wars and what they really take to and love that they'll, you know, grow up loving and then want to see more of down the line. So I just think, you know, the possibilities like we talk about all the time are just endless of what the future is going to hold. But, you know, just the idea of continuing, always continuing on with the Skywalker saga every generation or so, like you mentioned, might, you know, not be the case as far as depending on what these new film series do and how, you know, well they're received and fans take to them. So I just think the potential is there for episode nine to really be it for the Skywalker saga. And just, you know, we'll see what the future holds again to quote another star Wars line. That's in our intro for our podcast is always in motion. The future is, and we just got to see where mm-hmm. it takes us. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it seems to be taking us to a lot of exciting places for right now, um, oh, yes. or at least have a lot of exciting possibilities. Um, but let's jump back to sort of the immediate future, um, and, uh, you know, a movie that we don't have to speculate on where it's taking place or whatever, but the one that we know is coming up next and know what it's going to be all about. And that is Solo, a Star Wars story. We finally have our first official look, you know, the, the lid is finally off on this one. Yes, finally. Um, We've got our first look at footage. We've got some interviews. We've got posters, all that good stuff. Um, and we've actually kind of got two, you know, new looks at footage to look at because um, obviously the Super Bowl was this past weekend and we got the uh, the TV spot that aired during the Super Bowl and then the day after um, was the first sort of full length teaser trailer. But I was kind of thinking, you know, I was assuming that like the TV spot was just going to be like 30 seconds of footage from the trailer, but there was actually mm-hmm. a lot of stuff in the TV spot that wasn't in the trailer. So it's almost like we got two different um, you know, again, we, we got like a trailer and then a TV spot that was kind of different from that. So a little bit more footage than we maybe thought we'd have, um, just from our first glimpse at, uh, the solo movie. But, um, I don't know, where should we start? I feel like this isn't going to be like, uh, the last Jedi trailer where we're going to spend four hours, like dissecting <laughs> every little shot. And, you know, obviously there's a lot less kind of, mystery and unanswered questions and stuff to debate and speculate about with this but um let's just kind of go over you know at least like first impressions of the uh the teaser trailer that aired during the super bowl because i don't know about you tim but i know for me like i had been following some of the rumors and stuff and i had heard that people were saying like oh we're getting our first official trailer like on monday with good morning america and so i'm like okay so maybe it's not going to air during the super bowl but I'm still like, I would be surprised if there's not at least like a teaser or like an announcement of the trailer or something. Cause like you wouldn't want to miss that opportunity to like draw attention to it. And I was watching the Super Bowl anyways. Um, and I just remember, I mean, the, the teaser came on like pretty early in the game and, uh, I was obviously super excited. I saw the Lucasfilm right away and I'm like, Oh sweet. This is star Wars. Um, and it was, <sighs> really cool i'll say that much um definitely visually striking i think is the best way i can describe it um you know just some of the shots that were in there especially that one shot of like the star destroyer coming through kind of the maelstrom looking cloud (laughs) thing and just the um kind of the dark and gritty look of some of the interior spaces and um you obviously hear the narration of 
um, Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo talking about kind of his background. And it sounds like he's joining up with uh, the Empire for the first time or trying to enlist in their academy. Um, and the guy's talking about like, you know, what branch are you interested in joining? He says, I want to be a pilot, like the best in the galaxy. Um, and we just get some brief glimpses at, um, you know, some of the different characters and environments from the movie. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just always cool seeing the first footage from a Star Wars movie the first time. Like, I don't yeah. know. And it's weird because I don't know what I was expecting from this, but it seems like for f pretty much the reactions I've seen from everybody, everybody's like, oh, that is not what I was expecting. And a lot of people are like, whoa, that is way cooler looking than I thought it was going to be. Um, so, you know, hats off to, to Ron Howard and, uh, you know, everybody on the team there for, you know, making something that I think seems to be changing some people's minds and that, you know, seems to be leaving a pretty good first impression. Yeah. For, yeah, I was excited to see this first TV spot and kind of I thought the exact same thing like you did, where I thought for sure, we're just going to get, you know, a 45 second version of the teaser trailer we're going to get on monday so i was pleasantly surprised when there were pretty much two separate trailers <laughs> really when you when it comes down to it this one's only 45 seconds but it's almost something like after i saw it for the first time I was like man we got this awesome trailer or teaser tv spot and we're getting a trailer for it tomorrow it almost seems like a bonus almost like we're getting spoiled but it was spoiled even more so and i saw how different the second trailer was but yeah i was excited to finally get our first look solo of star wars stories because um it's probably safe to say kyle that you and me have been one of the more you know positive supporters looking <laughs> looking forward to this movies than you know some star wars fans have been and kind of the reputation solo has garnered so far so i was anxious to see that you know hopefully our excitement and you know faith in lucasfilm ron howard and all those involved making this movie would be rewarded by you know seeing it look awesome in some actual footage and i think it didn't disappoint at least for me and i totally agree where it looked different than i was expecting too it just there's just something about it which i love about so far all the new star wars movie we've gotten since the force awakens how they each have their own unique looking feel that when you see it for the first time it feels different but yet it still feels star wars and i got that feeling with solo and both the tv spot and the trailer but in just regards to this tv spot I just love how it begins. I mean, first you just see uh, Han just flicking on switches from the interior of the Falcon. But I immediately liked how just right away they're revealing something that I was hoping would be in the movie that was, you know, from some of the legend stories of Han Solo where he was in the Imperial Academy. And I was always hoping that that would be part of his official backstory in the new canon. And looks like we're definitely going to get it. Um, it's probably not going to be in the Imperial Academy too long, but mm. as long as there's just a little portion of his history was where, where he was in the empire. I'm really excited about and just glad they put that in there right away. But yeah, just some more cool visuals <laughs> in this trailer. That's going to be just more iconic star Wars imagery. I mean, you mentioned it, that star destroyer coming through the clouds and that maelstrom of this looks so, so cool. I mean, between that shot and all the awesome Imperial, designs and shots we got in rogue one with the death troopers these standalone movies are just finding new ways to make the empire look cooler and cooler <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just absolutely love that shot of the star destroyer like, immediately made that my twitter header <laughs> image so that was awesome but then probably the other uh shot that stood out to me in this tv spot was that train sequence first just seeing mm. the train kind of going off the rails there a little bit 
just something that's one of the things I was talking about that feels totally different and unique for this movie. And it's just a great new addition to add to a Star Wars film. It just looks like it's going to be a really cool sequence. And then you just see that masked character who we'll talk about more in the actual teaser just in a, a battle which, you know, I don't think it's Han Solo. I think it actually might be Woody Harrelson's character, Beckett. They're just in a you know melee battle. He has Woody Harrelson's character has two blasters and uh, this uh, masked character has a staff that he's going off against Beckett, which at first kind of reminded me a little bit of the Phasma moment in the Last Jedi trailer where she has her staff about to fight Finn. But this is, of course, a little different where Beckett has two blasters, but it still looks like it's going to be a really cool action sequence. So that stood out to me as probably after that Star Destroyer shot, my favorite moment of the trailer, just of how different and unique it looked, but yet still feeling like Star Wars where it's something new and exci- something to be excited about that we haven't seen before in a movie. So that was great. And I did like how the trailer or the TV spot ended where the uh, Imperial agent at the Academy who's interviewing Han Solo asked for his name. And we don't hear him say it, but we just get you know kind of our best look at Alden Ehrenreich in this TV spot as Han Solo. It looks like, I don't know if he's, if he's in a jail cell or he's in some type of room, but it's like, looks like there's some bars kind of where he's looking out from. But that's our first really good look at him in this TV spot. And just in that shot, um, he looks like a young Han Solo to me there. And we'll talk, I guess, talk about more of all of Erica's Han Solo in the actual teaser trailer. But just in this TV spot, I thought that was a great way to end it where they asked for his name. He doesn't say anything. We just get our first look at a young Han Solo, and then the title screen comes up as Solo. So, yeah, this TV spot more than did its job is getting me really excited about the movie. And I, I don't want to say it like it looked. Well, I guess I'll just say it. To me, it looks better than I was expecting, but I don't want that to sound like I wasn't expecting much from it. As I said before, you and me have been one of the more you know champions of this positive champions for this movie and being excited for it and it even surpassed what I was hopefully expecting to be excited about with this TV spot. So yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, definitely. I was, I was very impressed. I will say, and I don't know if I should talk about this too much now or kind of save it for the end, if we're maybe going to wrap up with just kind of our overall thoughts, but I almost feel like I'm kind of caught in the middle because like, I mean, like you said, we, we were definitely some of the more positive people on this movie to begin with, but I've heard some people who are like doing a complete 180 on this. They're like, I was not excited for this movie at all. And now I'm seeing this new footage and I am just so blown away and this looks amazing. And I think this movie's going to be so great. And I'm like, I was excited for it before. Um, obviously we've heard a lot about the production problems and all that kind of stuff. And we didn't really know much about the movie. So, like, I'm not trying to be pessimistic or anything, but I'm like, I, I don't have the highest hopes for this movie. I just have higher hopes than a lot of people did. And I'm still excited for it. And I still hope it turns out to be good. And I think at the very least, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, And that's kind of how I'm still feeling about it now. And now I feel like everybody's like jumping over me being like, oh, man, this looks so <laughs> awesome now. And I'm like, there's definitely some really cool visuals here. And at least, you know, some action scenes that suggest this is going to be fun to watch but we really have no idea what the story is going to be we don't really get a huge sense of like how good the performances are going to be just from the trailer um and i do think just because of the director change and all that like 
there could still be some things that feel, you know, that might kind of feel disjointed or, um, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I really hope the movie doesn't feel like kind of a, a mess that was like cobbled together at the last minute. And I don't think it will, but I'm remaining cautiously optimistic. And so for the people that went from being not excited at all to totally blown away and they're like, absolutely can't wait for this movie i almost feel like i'm like well slow down a little bit i don't want us to all set our expectations way high and then if it ends up being a disappointment be like oh well maybe we should have seen that coming because of all the problems that we heard about and stuff um so i'm not trying to bring it down and i'm i'm definitely i'm still excited for it and i like what we've seen here um but my i'm i'm trying to keep my expectations in check i guess and not you know, kind of blow things way out of proportion and be like as super hyped as I was for the last Jedi. Um, but again, well, that's probably the smart way to go about it. <laughs> yeah. But, but I am excited for it. Um, you know, and again, like just seeing Han and Lando and Chewie again and the Falcon and, you know, seeing some of these new cool visuals and star destroyers and tie fighters. And we've got, you know, again, like some looks like some new kind of tie fighters, um, it looks like just a regular TIE fighter with like two pods in the middle, kind of like a TIE bomber mm-hmm. um, was coming out of that Star Destroyer at the end. Um, or maybe I guess that was in the, the teaser trailer. We can kind of just talk about both of them. But um, I think there's supposed to be like a new type of stormtrooper too, like a mud trooper, I think they called it. Um, so, you know, all, all the cool new stuff that you're used to seeing um, anytime a new Star Wars movie comes along and it's always cool and exciting to get that. Um, unfortunately in both of these teasers, we didn't actually hear, uh, any lines from Donald Glover as Lando, but I'm loving the look of that character. Mm, Um, it's, (laughs) it's different than I thought it would be, especially like his hairstyle and like with the beard and everything. I think the first time that we saw like leaked images of that, I was like, oh, that doesn't really look like Lando. Cause I was expecting just, you know, the almost exactly like Billy D with like just the curly hair and the mustache. But the more we see him like just in the footage in the trailers, I'm like, yeah, that actually looks like a really good young Lando. I just wish we'd like hear him say something. Um, obviously Chewie is Chewie and I freaking love Chewie. And you know what? If the rest of this movie sucks, I'll still be happy that I got some more Chewie. Um, and I think <laughs> I like too how even he looks a little different with, you know, this of having that single bandolier. He has two of them crossing each other mm-hmm. with the, which is the cool new look for Chewie, which yeah, that's you know, about as close as you can get to a new outfit for Chewie. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't have that in episode three though. And Kashyyyk. So I guess, you know, he got rid of the single bandolier for a little bit and then went back to it <laughs> later mm-hmm. on. Um, but speaking yeah, but... of the Chewie real quick, I just, uh, going back to the first TV spot, I forgot to mention it too. the actual very last shot of that TV spot where Chewie puts his hand on Han Solo's shoulder. I just love that. I mean, I've said this before, how the Han and Chewie relationship, seeing that form and begin in this movie is what I'm really, really excited about and probably what I'm most excited to see in Solo with Star Wars stories. And it's going to be for moments like that, seeing, you know, their relationship build to what we know it to be in the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy begin here. And just that little moment of Han or Chewie just putting his hand on Han's shoulder to me just speaks volumes to what we're probably going to see in this movie and just more special, you know, what more of what makes their relationship special. And I can't wait for that. And glad we got a little hint of that and what's to come hopefully more of once we see the final films. But I just thought that was a great way to end that TV spot on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it almost kind of harkens back to the Chewie were home from the end of the, a little bit, uh, yeah. the force awakens trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, totally, like you said, like 
that's probably the part of the movie that I'm looking forward to seeing the most is just the beginning of Han and Chewie's relationship. Um, but seeing kind of all this come together, like Han and Chewie, Han and Lando, seeing them all on the Falcon together for the first time, like that all is going to be really cool. And I'm sure going to have some really fun and special moments. Um, speaking of which the Millennium Falcon is like clean and white and shiny on the inside. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, what? That was a big shock. Yep. <laughs> like what did Han and Chewie do to it? <laughs> yeah. It almost took me a second to realize like that's the same ship. I'm like, wow, that design looks really familiar. Oh, cause it's the interior of the Falcon. I know when I saw it, I was like, oh man, this <laughs> like I expected the Falcon to look newer, but I didn't think it was going to look that new or almost like a totally completely different ship yeah once they're inside so uh han wasn't joking when he said he made some special modifications to it yeah (laughs) and now i think we can understand lando's line in the empire strikes back when they see him for the first time and he goes what have you done to my ship yep (laughs) quite a bit apparently yeah even you know the exterior of it where there's not that you know gap in between in the front of the ship or just you know all together (laughs) and curious if we're going to see any changes in the actual movie, like if it's going to time jump at all, or we're just going to see this new design of the the new slash old Falcon in this film. But I like how it looks though. I do like how it is, you know, still feels like the Falcon, but you know, like we said, it's newer has been modified and has a unique different look to it, but still is the Falcon, which is cool. So, and I just absolutely love that shot or that moment at the end of the teaser trailer where after we get the title card, and you know Han's saying like everything's okay, and then they just does that flip and smashes a Tie Fighter with looks mm-hmm. like into a rock or some type of debris. It was just an awesome maneuver that we haven't seen in a Star Wars film before. It just looked really, really cool. Yeah. Now piecing some of these shots together, where it looks like they're in the Falcon, they're getting chased by a Star Destroyer, they're in a bunch of you know dark, stormy clouds in space, and then they're flying through the arms of some giant tentacle monster thing. Like at the end of the teaser, there. <laughs> Do you think they're making the Kessel Run? I think so. It just, I think so too. It just seems like the way it's, it looks and all the main characters are there. It just seems like a big climactic moment. I don't know if it's going to be the final, you know, action sequence we're going to get in the film, but it has that feel to it where it's, it's something big that's going on. And it feels like, you know, they are making the Kessel Run and how dangerous it is to make the Kessel Run. Less than 12 parsecs, no, no less. But, you know, to go through, you know, an Imperial Star Destroyer and whatever that creature is uh, hanging out in there, it just, you know, it has a feel where it's something that's dangerous and why Han would brag about making the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I totally think that's what it is. And I now I'm hoping it is because it looks like, like I said, it just looks like something that would be totally dangerous that he would brag about later on. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, also, I think it fits too, just because. Um, if you think about kind of some of the stories from the old EU where the, and I think they kind of retconned this to fix the whole issue of like, Oh, a parsec is a unit of distance and not Uh time. (laughs) But, you know, so they wrote a story where, um, you know, where Han completed the Kessel run. Basically the Kessel run was like a whole cluster of like black holes and nebulas and stuff. Um, that was like a, a route that smugglers would try to navigate through. And so Han found basically like the fastest or like the shortest distance through it. Um, and he was able to, you know, navigate that. I mean, it was like a really dangerous and risky route, but he was able to do it because the Falcon was, you know, fast and maneuverable and stuff. And that's why he's bragging about, you know, how he made the, the castle run in 12 parsecs. Um, 
And so this totally looks like it could be just like the new canons kind of version of that same environment. I mean, just the fact that you're seeing like dark stormy clouds in space and you've got, you know, asteroids and dangerous space creatures and all that kind of stuff floating around in there. I mean, it definitely looks like some kind of nebula or some kind of chaotic like space phenomenon that would make for a really interesting chase sequence for having some ships go through it. Um, so yeah, I, I think that would be a perfect opportunity to have that be yet another part of Han Solo's backstory that we've heard about that we'd get to see, um, you know, realized on screen in this movie. And uh, yeah, I think that's going to just make for a great opportunity for some really cool visuals and a really fun sequence there. Yeah. I've said before how a space battle sequence I really want to see in a star Wars film to be take place in a nebula. I mean, this isn't quite that, but right now it's kind of the closest uh, we're getting to having a nebula feel. And mm -hmm. yeah, I'm all for that. Cause I just think visually we've seen in clone wars and rebels, how awesome space battles and nebulas are. So we can, you know, slowly make a progress to actually seeing that in a live action film. That would be great. But um, another thing I loved about the actual teaser trailer and what's another thing like that train sequence that makes us stand out as feeling unique is those few shots we got of Han in what looks like, you know, a beach or a desert. And he's going against that new villain character who, you know, looks like he has a, a tribe behind him. And that villain character, just, you know, add him to the list of great new looking or cool looking Star Wars villains with all the others because I'm already in love with his design. It's something, again, that feels new and fresh but still Star Wars. I love the combination of, you know, having, you know, a cool looking helmet that most cool Star Wars characters or slash villains have, but the rest of his outfit is like almost more uh, tribal and savage mm -hmm. where he has like a fur coat, um, almost like he has, uh, I don't know if they're like skeletons or bones. It doesn't, they might not be, but it has that feel where he has like certain bones or skeletons wrap around, you know, his chest as armor, which just looks really cool. And if there's that one shot where, also love too. I mean, Han Solo is being described as feeling like a Western, and no more is that felt in this sequence here. Where you, I mean, Han is literally going to have a showdown with this character. The way he, you know, flicks off the holster of his blaster, just like having an old West showdown. I think is really cool and something that I would expect to see in a Han Solo movie. I just loved how it was shot and how it played out in this teaser trailer, and can't wait to actually see what goes down in the movie. But that one shot of this new villain. And, you know, look like his men that's behind him. I don't know if you had a chance to kind of go through the trailer, freeze frame and try to look at some, uh, you know, Easter eggs or, you know, cool looking uh, nods to other Star Wars films. But if you go to that shot, which is like at the 52nd mark and you're looking at this new villains gang. If you look to the far right, the last character there, it has a strong resemblance to Princess Leia's bounty hunter disguised as Boosh in Return of the Jedi. Huh. The way the helmet is is shaped and just the way uh, the character's armor is kind of looking it has a very very similar style to Boosh there which i think would be a really cool nod of you know not necessarily saying that is Boosh or the same armor that princess leia took but if it's you know part of that same design and just someone else has it i think would be a nice little nod but to see that design again and a, at least a little reference to it i thought was really cool so i can't wait to see this band of i don't know what marauders or <laughs> this tribe and what role they're going to play in the story but i'm just loving the uniqueness and the look that they have mixing them with technology with you know more primitive i guess uh, weaponry and armor and look so i think they look really really cool yeah i totally agree with you there 
Um, and it's funny because I think, you know, you're totally right about that having like a Western feel like that brief glimpse that we get of that scene. Um, and especially with like the close up of Han's hand, like unclipping his blaster mm -hmm. and everything. But it's like every time I see that part of the trailer, I don't think old Western guns, gunslinger showdown. Like I just keep thinking of the moment in Raiders of the Lost Ark where he's facing <laughs> off against the guy and I'm expecting the, uh, the savage right. guy to just like start swinging his weapon around and Han to just shoot first and take the guy out. <laughs> oh man. You know what? I could now that you mentioned that, I could totally doing see them doing a meta thing, which, you know, like you said, Han shoots first to reverence Indiana Jones. Maybe it won't kill him. He'll maybe dodge it. But and then, you know, have him shoot first to have a little wink nod to the whole Han sh Greedo shooting first <laughs> debate that's still going on. I kind of hope they don't do that. But now that you mentioned it, it's like, I don't know, I could actually see that maybe playing out in a way that's kind of similar or maybe just a little wink to the fans like, yeah, hey, we're not saying it, but you know what we're trying to do here. Mm hmm. Yeah, but then at the same time, I mean, we also have the scene of uh, that character having the fight scene on the train. And so, um, I mean, I don't know what order of events this is going to go in, but it does kind of seem like um, at least this planet, based on some of the other shots we see, like this, some of the stuff on this desert planet might take place earlier in the movie. And who knows if this is Tatooine or some other desert place. Um, one thing that at least is missing from this trailer and, you know, who knows if we might end up seeing this later on if it is in the movie, but something that I kind of assumed we might see in the Han Solo movie would be Jabba the Hutt. Um, mm -hmm. but maybe, you know, he doesn't come into Han's life till later on down the line. So I think we probably will see the Kessel run, but maybe not the whole dropping your shipment at the first sign of an Imperial cruiser and that whole mess that gets him in trouble with Jabba, um, you know, at the beginning of a new hope. So, you know, I've talked about this with our friend Paul Herman a lot, speculating about the movie where how cool would an ending be to this film if, you know, he meets is meeting with Jabba for that job. Like, whatever uh, mission they go on in this film, it was success. And Han gets a reputation as being a good smuggler that garners the attention of Jabba the Hutt. And then we actually see him meeting Jabba and taking on that mission. That's where the movie ends. I think that could kind of be a cool little. Uh, way to end the film on and leave it open. Maybe if they do want to tell more stories with Alden Ehrreich's Han Solo, they can leave it open for a scene that story with Jabba. So mm -hmm. I think we might get an appearance by Jabba somehow, some way. And I kind of hope it is that ending sequence that we speculated on. I think that'd be a pretty cool way to end it. That would be pretty cool. Because even if it's not setting him up for that job, like I think just having his first introduction with Jabba would be pretty cool. Mm, exactly. And it's like, okay, so we've seen just sort of the whole backstory of the character. And now we see sort of the beginning of events that lead him to where he is in the original trilogy. Um, mm. And I agree, like if it does well and people want to see more of this character and and you know sort of more story set during this time period they could totally do a sequel where he's going on missions for Jabba and heck that could be like the Han versus Boba movie um cuz also yeah. i'm starting to more and more get the feeling like we're probably not going to see Boba Fett in this movie um as much as i would love to and as much as i think that like a kind of Han and Boba co-starring um, movie could be just as cool as like a solo Boba Fett standalone movie, but that could also be a good potential follow-up to this one, but we'll see kind of how things go and what the reception is to this. Um, yeah. Cause it kind of seems like if Boba Fett was going to be in it, he'd be that new, uh, mass character 
who seems yeah. to be going to be causing him trouble in this film. Like he'd play that role. Yeah, for and, sure. And going back to that character again, um, if you look, there's that shot where it is a close up of his mask. Uh, my brother brought this out to me and brought it to my attention, which I didn't notice at first, but I can definitely see a resemblance where, you know, the visor part of his mask has a pretty similar feel to Kylo Ren's. I don't know if you noticed that or had a chance to hmm. really look at it, but when he brought it to my attention, the way it's designed and like the silver plating of it, it does have a Kylo Ren feel where it's not, you know, exactly like it, but you could see where it could have been derived. Like Kylo's mask could have been derived from that, at least the visor part of it. And I thought that was pretty interesting. And who knows how uh, this character's going to go down against Han Solo. Like maybe Han Solo keeps that as like a trophy for his defeat of this character or something. And Kylo gets inspiration or, takes that part of it and designs it into his own. I don't know, but I thought it was pretty interesting where it has a pretty similar feel to it. Yeah, I'll have to go back and check because I definitely did not quite catch on to that. Um, I mean, aside from the fact that both masks look really cool, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't quite getting like a Kylo Ren kind of vibe from it. Um, yeah, I didn't either until like he told me and then I, you know, freeze framed it and looked at it like, oh yeah, I could definitely see a kind of resemblance between the two. Yeah, I'll have to go take a look at that. But um, so one other thing I was going to ask you, too, um, I mean, we talked about how Alden Ehrenreich has a pretty he does a pretty good job of nailing at least the look of, you know, a young Han. But based on what we see of um, his performance in this and sort of his dialogue that we hear and stuff, what are, sort of how are you feeling on that so far? Yeah, so that's pretty much the big question going into this movie. Will Alden Ehrenreich performance? make us feel like we're seeing a young Han Solo. And for the most part, I'm going to say, yes, it did for me. It feels like we're seeing a young Han Solo, but at the same time, it doesn't feel like we're seeing a young Harrison Ford, which, you know, I'm okay with. I mean, to me, look-wise, I think he pulls it off really well as far as looking like a young Han Solo and even a young Harrison Ford in certain shots. Not in every one, but in certain shots, like at the beginning where they're, he's in that speeder with uh, Amelia Clark's character, Akira, and they're just, you know, trying to escape the uh, stormtrooper who's on a bike which i can't wait till we get an official name for those stormtroopers and get a better shot at them too because we just <laughs> see one flipping over into like the back of his helmet so we didn't get a good look at it but those shots there i thought he it really reminded me of what han solo would look like as a younger man there which was cool and the only thing where you know it doesn't remind me of han too much is in the way he talks and that's not really a deal breaker for me i think the only time or dialogue that he has in this trailer where it reminded me and had the tone inflections of Han Solo was where he says, you know, I got kicked out of the Imperial Academy for having a mind of my own. But to me, that reminded me of, you know, a way Harrison Ford would deliver a Han Solo line. But other than that, it sounded like, you know, kind of his own take and version of Han Solo at this point in his life, which, you know, I'll, I'll be okay with if they doesn't sound exactly like how Harrison Ford does at a younger age. So overall, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of Alden Ehrenreich's performance. I think right now in the brief glimpses we've got of him in this trailer, he's pulling it off pretty well, at least for me, convincing that I'm seeing a young version of Han Solo here, even though it's you know not an exact you know copy or interpretation of Harrison Ford, which I think you know the film doesn't need that. It, it'd probably be a little too distracting if you were seeing someone trying to just do a perfect copy imitation of Harrison Ford. And so I think it's good that you mix in with or Aaron Reich mixes in, you know, having that Han Solo flair, but putting his own style into it as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of it, but I think he's doing a good job so far. 
Yeah, that's it's definitely one of those things that is kind of hard to gauge right now. Um, and it's one of the things that I'm kind of being cautiously optimistic about uh, right now. Like, you know, we obviously don't get a a huge range of what this is, what his performance is going to be like, just based off this teaser. Um, but yeah, I think he's got the look down pretty well. He seems to have some of the mannerisms down pretty well, and overall, he does kind of he feels at least adequately like, you know, you can believe this as a young Han Solo, even though, mm. like you said, he really doesn't sound at all like Harrison Ford. Um, but I don't think he sounds so different that it's like, you know, pulls you out of it or it's like, oh, it's a deal breaker. Like, I mean, he's he clearly is supposed to be a much younger version of the character. Um, and people's voices change over time, but like not that much. So it's like, yeah, you know, if it was Harrison Ford, like he'd have a deeper voice, but... It's not a huge deal breaker. Um, and I couldn't help but wonder because we've heard so many rumors about like um, back when the original directors were in charge and they, you know, there's stuff going on about um, them trying to have a an acting coach or a dialogue coach or something like that for Alden Ehrenreich because they weren't That's happy right. with his performance. And I'm like, well, is that because they weren't happy with his acting skills or were they just trying to get somebody who could try to get him to talk more like Harrison Ford and maybe they wanted a more accurate Harrison Ford impression. And, you know, is that what the issue was? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I mean, that's one of those things that is just kind of sticking in my mind, like, well, there's probably at least got to be some truth to those rumors and, you know, maybe a reason for all that. So that's one thing that I'm like, okay, let's wait and see. I'm not going to like right off the bat be like, Oh yeah, this guy's an awesome Han Solo. Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> Cause that I could definitely see that being a potential complaint. After, you know, I, I can definitely see one version of this where everybody comes out of the movie being like, man, Chewie was awesome. And Lando was awesome. And I liked the new characters, but that guy just wasn't Han Solo to me. Um, I think you're going to get that regardless from some portion of fans. I mean, I think it's going to be maybe not as the movie as a whole is going to be mixed, but I think Olden Era Ryan's performance as Han Solo is going to be mixed as far as fans, you know, accepting them as a Han Solo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Like, and I think you're right. It's definitely you can't please everybody and some people aren't going to be happy with it regardless. It's just a question of how many. Yeah, and I know even just from this trailer, there are those who are still, you know, not being sold on his performance as a young Han Solo just yet. So, <laughs> yeah. It's still going to be kind of he's going to have to win some people over still. Well, and here's the thing, though, like I've said this all along, it's he's not Harrison Ford and nobody is Harrison Ford. Mm. So like regardless of who they got to play this, I think that was going to be one of the most contentious points of this movie anyways. Yeah. And so I think in order for this movie to succeed, he has to do a, a decent enough job to hold it together and then you have to surround him with a really likable cast. Um, yeah, I think Chewie and Lando have got to knock it out of the park, um, which obviously, I mean, again, Chewie is Chewie. And I think the the new guy, you know, Eunice uh, Suotamo, um, or however you pronounce his name, the guy that's taken over for Peter Mayhew. I mean, obviously, I think he's done an awesome job so far with The Force Awakens and uh, The Last Jedi. So no reason to think that Chewie is going to be a disappointment here. Um, and like I said, I really wish we had gotten a little bit more of, uh, you know, a glimpse of, um, 
what Donald Glover is going to be like as Lando and maybe get to hear some of his lines or something, but I am at least really liking the look of that character. And I think just from some of his facial expressions and stuff, he seems to have kind of that charm and swagger that Lando has got to have. He's got his smile down. That's for sure. That one yeah. shot where he's, like, he's playing cards, he just has that big smile on his face. I mean, you just immediately think, yep, that's young Lando right there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And the only thing that has me worried, I'm like, and I'm like, I'm sure Donald Glover is going to do great at this. So like, why would you not want to have a Lando line in the trailer? Um, but I'm yeah. sure we're going to get another one or two trailers bef- between now and when the movie actually comes out. So that's going to be one of those things that I'm like, okay, I, you know, I'll look forward to seeing some of that as we get closer to release. Cause it's not like they're obviously trying to keep it a secret. The fact that Lando is going to be in this. So, you know, we know he's going to be one of the main characters, so I'm sure we're going to get that sooner than later. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you can have somebody that does at least an adequate job as Han Solo and then just build a strong movie around that, I think you're going to be okay. Because I don't mm-hmm. I don't know that they could have cast anybody who's going to just completely knock it out of the park and please all the Han Solo fans, ex- you know, unless they found some way to like de-age Harrison Ford by 50 years. Yeah. <laughs> Which they probably could if they wanted to. <laughs> yeah, movies, with, but. you know, CGI and stuff. But, <laughs> I mean, first of all, I don't think Harrison Ford was interested in doing that. Um, and second of all, like, I mean, I, I kind of like that, you know, we're getting a different new kind of younger take on the character and that it doesn't have to just be like, oh, well, let's try to make it as exact as possible with CGI and everything. So, yeah. No, yeah, that's a good point. But it's, it's just funny when you think about it, how, you know, it seems so outlandish, but no, it's possible that they wanted to, to do it. I mean, heck, they got they brought the Peter Cushing back for Tarkin mm-hmm. for a whole movie. So just just in general, the fact that they can be done now is still kind of crazy to, to believe it's possible. But uh, real quick, a few other things I wanted to note in the trailer. Uh, as we're talking about Lando, I liked how, too, in this trailer, we both got it was a quick shot. But we got shots of Han flying the Falcon, and we got a shot of Lando flying the Falcon, which I thought was really cool. It's just a, a cool little moment, and we'll talk about the droid a little later. But they just do, you know, that salute to each other as they're about to take off, and mm-hmm. that's just another showcasing of Donald Glover having, you know, mannerisms of Lando that just feels like, you know, the same character. Because I just can't help but think of a moment in Return of the Jedi when Han and Lando are saying goodbye to each other. And Lando takes the Falcon, he just goes, good luck, and he gives that little salute with his hand. The way he gestures it, that one quick shot in the trailer reminded me of that. So I love how we got both Han and Lando piloting the Falcon. That was cool. Then the other new thing we got here, which was kind of unexpected, is but not for Star Wars films. They each have little musical numbers or nightclub sequences, and we're getting one in Solo, a Star Wars story as well. And this one has its own unique feel to it as well. I mean, it's not the cantina, it's not... Uh, the club in Attack of the Clones or Maz Kanata's Castle in The Force Awakens. This, again, driving home the point that it's something that feels like Star Wars, but it has its own feel for this particular movie. And you got this... I like the nightclub singer that they have in here. This, The design of the character and just what looks like the technology is for singing in this nightclub because you see it looks like it has a standard microphone on a stand, but then she has this device on her mouth, which seems like it's a microphone as well. So I don't know if it's something that's going to be projecting through the character's voice to make her sound different. And then you got this weird little creature in this jar of fluid that's just right behind her, almost like 
if that's her backup singer or an instrument player, that's what we're going to be sharing when we see this performance. It just has me intrigued in a fun way for a Star Wars film and its musical numbers. It's to see how the one for the Han Solo film is going to sound. So I just thought that was something I wasn't expecting to see in the movie. But again, with what makes it unique and different. So I thought that was a pretty cool sequence to get a first look at in the trailer as well. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think obviously coming off of The Last Jedi and one of the most divisive things in there was the whole Canto Bite sequence, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't have as much of a problem with as a lot of people did. But yeah, something about this sort of nightclub or whatever it is, um, you know, this scene that it looks like we're going like to get in the Han Solo movie um, felt to me like you know, again, even as someone who wasn't bothered by Canto Bite this that much, I was like, oh, that feels more like Star Wars. Like, that's yeah, a little I'm more totally like it. And, but it's weird because it doesn't feel like a Moss Eisley Cantina ripoff either. It's like, this is a new location. It's different, but it's got kind of that feel that you're looking for of like the, um, I don't know, maybe feeling a little more alien. I mean, I think one thing that a lot of people didn't like about Canto Bite is that it almost felt too much like Earth and like yeah, just, that was one of know, my complaints. Space <laughs> Vegas and stuff like that. And so this one definitely feels a little more alien and feels like something that could be, um, you know, on the lower levels of Coruscant or something like that. And I like too how it's going with the feel of Han, the Han Solo movie having to deal with the criminal underworld and like gangsters and all that. And how we know when old like, 1940s like gangsters and mobsters they have their own nightclubs and they have their like performances and singers in the nightclub that's you know working after hours or (laughs) in just like businesses going down in these nightclubs so it has that feel to it too which again seems like they're trying to go for in this in, in the movie where it's you know a visit to the criminal underworld in the Star Wars universe. And it's going to take some real life elements, but make it Star Wars, like you said. So it has that feel to it, too, as well, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we even haven't even talked that much about, like, some of the new characters that we see in here. Um, obviously, you know, Woody Harrelson's Beckett, who's sort of the older smuggler criminal type character that takes Han under his wing. Um, obviously, we've got Amelia Clark as uh, Kira, the... Um, you know, possible love interest. There might be, you know, it seems like there might be a somewhat romantic connection there, but also, you know, she's someone that um, Han has known since probably his childhood um, and they grew up together. We'll get into a little bit more of some of these characters as we talk about um, some of the, the coverage from the Entertainment Weekly articles and stuff. But, um, you know, it seems like those are going to be kind of the two biggest new characters along with uh, the droid that's working with Lando and some of the other uh, criminals that are working with Beckett. Um, but definitely, I do like that new alien creature who has four arms, almost like the new space monkey for this movie. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. The gunner chair would not look really cool. Yeah, that was a cool looking whatever it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like, um, lots of cool new stuff here, and you know, in, in in conjunction with uh, Han and Lando and Chewie and the Falcon all feeling very familiar, um, it looks like we got a lot of cool new locations environments um and some new characters that are gonna you know mix things up a bit so um like i said i'm i'm not as like mind-blowingly excited for this movie as i was for last jedi or anything like that but i think there's definitely um maybe a couple things to be cautious and hesitant about but a lot to like and a lot to be excited about too yeah maybe i'll end up 
regretting this once I see the full movie, but I, I'm really excited for it. I mean, it made my expectations grow even higher than what I had before because I, I just think it looks really, really good. And, you know, like you said, maybe I should take keep those in check. Don't want to be, you know, feel disappointment after you know, having expectations so high. But so I'll try to temper them a bit. But I just can't help but feeling super excited from what I'm seeing so far and just just feels so good to finally know what this movie is looking like after, you know, knowing it's been in development and, you know, the struggles it had during production and being just three months out from its release and we haven't seen anything on it. And to finally get our first look at it. And for me anyway, to have it look as good as it does in these, uh, in this trailer and in the TV spot, I'm just incredibly excited for it. So yeah, I mean, it's really cool that it's only a few months away now and I don't have to wait too long to see the movie and probably heck an, another trailer probably just in a month or two so mm -hmm. <laughs> not to look forward to but I'm really really happy with what we got in these uh, two teasers in the TV spot and then the trailer so yeah I couldn't be more excited than I am right now for Solo a Star Wars story yeah I will say one other nitpick I had um, that I didn't really like is towards the end of the the longer teaser that we got um, you hear Kira talking about Han and she says, you know, I might be the only person who knows, uh, you know, what you really are. And he just looks at her and goes, what's that? And then it cuts to the title. And I'm like, really? Like, that's the best <laughs> thing you guys had to end the trailer on? And then after that, we go back to, you know, kind of the longer um, sequence of the Falcon flying through, you know, the castle run or whatever that is with the the shot that you talked about where it flips over and swats the tie fighter and we see the tentacles and all that kind of stuff and i'm like oh okay good we ended it on something a lot more exciting because i mean it's not like that was a bad line or anything but it was just like that's it was such an anticlimactic yeah thing to like cut away from to the title with like the music building up and stuff i'm like that's the best thing you got to end the trailer on and you know again <laughs> that's why i'm like I sure hope they got more exciting stuff than this in the movie, like, because, you know, trailers are supposed to, like, showcase your best stuff without, obviously, giving away too much or anything like that, so, um, yeah, that, that was another the money thing, shot. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> and that was just one other thing that made me kind of like, eh, okay, maybe I shouldn't get my expectations up too high, like, this trailer is definitely not perfect, but, again, like I said, got a lot of fun stuff in there, a lot to look forward to. Um, and I, I mean, overall, my feelings on it are definitely positive, but I'm, I'm keeping a lid on my excitement right now, but the excitement <laughs> is there. Um, and I am very much looking forward to this. So moving on from, uh, just the trailers though, also, we got some cool new character posters revealed, um, to go along with this. And I like the style of these a lot too. Yes. Um, you know, these are all kind of in, it's, it's got a feeling of being like an updated, kind of modern day take on some of the old like 70s posters from the original Star Wars um, is just kind of what it strikes me as. And these all look like they're kind of on like old paper and it's got the solo, a Star Wars story logo at the top. And at the bottom, it's got the Millennium Falcon getting chased by some TIE fighters as it seems to always be doing. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then for each of these posters, like it's got the character's name. So we've got uh, Solo, Chewie, Lando and Kira. Um, and the letters are different colors for each of them. Like Lando's has is, is got a blue theme. Kira's is purple and Chewie's is yellow. And Han is kind of like a red orange. Um, and then for each of them, obviously you've got um, the character kind of in, well, in the foreground, but it's like you're looking at them through these kind of cutout letters. 
Um, and then they've got different environments in the background. Um, just a very cool, like, stylistic choice, um, the way that they did these. And I would have to probably say Lando's is my favorite out of these. Just I like the colors. I like the mm-hmm. look of that character. Um, I like the outfit that he's wearing. Like, it's he's got, like, a yellow shirt on with, like, a red belt and kind of a scarf around his neck. But then he's also got the blue cape. And it's just – it feels very Lando. Yeah, um, <laughs> very similar to his best man outfit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, similar and also different. It's just like I could totally see like it, it feels perfectly like something that a younger Lando would wear. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, yeah, but I mean, all these look cool and, you know, just get me more excited to to see all these characters in action and get to know more about them and stuff, too. No, yeah, I love these posters. I thought they were really cool. And again, going to that Western feel, they remind me kind of almost like wanted posters for all of them. Yeah. Even though, you know, it's not technically it says wanted and the reasons why but it has that feel the way the posters and like the almost like paper (laughs) art style behind it which looks really cool and i like how too in the background it kind of shows a different location of some of the planets we're going to see for hans i can't help but think if that's going to be Corellia. and i didn't uh, mention this when we're talking about the trailer but i like to think or i can't help but think where the sequence where we're seeing him in that uh, speeder chase if that is taking place on, you know, Corellia there, his home planet, which I, for some reason, I, I think it will be. So I, I know Corellia is supposed to play a part in it. So it's going to be cool to finally see his home planet. And I think that's where it's going to be. So that was cool. And then Chewie looks like Chewie and Lando's looks like it's going to be on that uh, snow planet. Lando's definitely. But Chewie's, it looks like it, too. Uh, looks like or or it could be Kessel, actually, when I look at it more for Chewie's. Could you see mm-hmm. the kind of smoke coming out of there? Looks like there's be some kind of mining uh, like apparatus that's a tower that's in the background and then for akira it looks like she's on that uh, beach planet where it looks like han's gonna have the showdown with that new villain and his uh, group of men there so i just like to how they showcase not only the characters their names but uh, some of the planets we're gonna see and i guess maybe if those characters uh, most of their scenes are gonna take place on those particular planets or the big moments maybe will happen on those planets we'll see but i'm just glad they kind of mixed it up uh, with the characters as well so all around these poses are just really really cool and i have to say when you think about it at least for last jedi and solo so far the teaser posters they i think in the last jedi's case definitely that was better than the actual poster even though i like the actual poster that first teaser with luke and kylo ren's faces and ray at the bottom igniting the lightsaber splitting mm-hmm. their faces up is just so perfect it was so cool and even though it's totally different, I kind of get that same cool vibe from these solo posters, and they will probably end up being better than the actual theatrical poster once that comes out. So I'm noticing a trend where teaser posters end up being better than the main ones for these uh, latest Star Wars films. But yeah, these ones are really, really cool. Yeah, Hackman, that original, that first teaser poster we got for The Last Jedi is still my wallpaper on my phone. Um, <laughs> oh, nice. But who knows? I might just have to replace it with the Lando one for this movie because. Um, yeah, these are these are some pretty sweet designs here. Um, and then, of course, all this week, we've been getting new articles out of Entertainment Weekly, um, you know, just kind of giving us some some new details and interviews with the actors and director and all that kind of stuff, um, just giving us, you know, kind of some glimpses behind the scenes of the making of the movie like they do every year with, you know, all the new movies that are coming out. Um, so Tim, you want to kind of just run through, uh, some of the highlights of some of these interviews and stuff? Um, yeah. So 
first off, I guess I'm going to touch on real quick some of the images that Entertainment Weekly released as part of their article. I mean, some of them were stuff we've seen in the trailer, but, you know, in different you know moments from what we're going to see in the film, like Lando playing uh, Sabacc that we saw in the trailer. But this one was kind of pulled out the shot where you see him actually holding the card. You see more of the alien creatures that he's playing with. There's this two-headed alien creature that looks pretty, <laughs> pretty interesting and unique. So stuff like that was really cool. And then probably my favorite is you know Han and Chewie. It looks like they're on that train on that snow planet. They're trying to break into it like from behind. It's just something about this looks really cool seeing you know Han and Chewie, which maybe is their first mission together, or at least you know one of their earlier missions together. Seeing them you know work together at this point in their lives it, to me there's something really cool and special about it. So I love that image. And then also with Chewie, Beckett, and Han in the Falcon again, just another interior shot of the Falcon that makes you think, man, what happened to that ship later on? <laughs> just how clean and new everything looks. I mean, they're sitting at the same, you know, seating area where the degeneric table is at. And again, just when you think about it, all the history that's gone on in the ship, especially in this area of the ship, when you think about a new hope and now with the force awakens, just everything that's happened on there and the history of the ship, it's just really cool when you look at it, this image and just see how new it looks and how it originally uh, was designed to be. So uh, those two images are really cool. So um, the Entertainment Weekly article did a good job as far as not just, you know, releasing new images of the trailer, but just new shots in general that, again, just gets me more excited for the actual film when it comes out. But in regards to the interviews, um, for Alden Ehrenreichs that he gave, you know, in it, he kind of talks about, you know, where what Han's going to be like at this point of his life and the journey that he's going to go on and how, you know, he's kind of pursuing a dream to, you know, get out of his uh, rough upbringing that he had. And, you know, kind of the stuff we're kind of expecting Han to go on or to, the journey he's supposed to go through in this movie. But the one thing that kind of jumped out at me in his interview was, not necessarily what Alden Ehrenreich said, but what the question that was asked. Um, it says, uh, Solo meets Chewbacca for the first time in this film, but Ron Howard says it's not an instant love connection as Wookiees take a lot of effort before trusting someone, right? Then Alden Ehrenreich responds saying, you know, I think with anyone you meet in, uh, you know, in these tough worlds, trust doesn't come easily and both of them are very strong-willed. So I don't know why, but it kind of took me back a little bit thinking that Han and Chewie aren't immediately going to hit it off right away and i guess i'll say one little concern i have about the film from a story aspect is that i'm not sure we're going to get the han and chewy meeting moment that i've always known in my head from the old canon and was hoping we'd see in this movie where han rescues him from you know an imperial being an imperial slave or from an enslavement camp and i'm not ruling it out just yet but i'm seeing more signs showing that that's might not happen where maybe han and chewy just might meet up within Beckett's gang. I'm not sure how it's all going to play out, but when I hear that, because when you think about Chewie rescuing Han, you would think Chewie would be grateful, and that's where, you know, the life debt he had, where it came from, was from that, and I was hoping they'd bring that in, but they don't, Chewie doesn't, they don't necessarily like each other right away. It doesn't kind of flow with the idea of that happening. And then also Han's line that I talked about earlier about him getting kicked out of the Imperial Academy was because he had a, a mind of his own. Um, doesn't necessarily sound like it's because he rescued Chewie uh, from being, you know, beaten and from being a slave from uh, from the Empire. So, unless that kind of, that can go into him having a you know mind of his own, but seems like he would have mentioned that specifically. So I'm not quite sure that again another thing that's not lining up 
was hot and chewy meeting that way. So again, it might be something I have to get over once I see the way the actual meet, but that might be one area of the film where I have to lower my expectations of actually seeing it happen. So I did find that kind of surprising. I don't know if you felt that way, Kyle, about, you know, Han and Chewie immediately just, you know, becoming fast friends um, once we first meet them, but instead they're going to, you know, going to have to come to trust each other over the course of the film. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of like that idea though. Um, As much as like, I know what you're saying about kind of having those preconceived notions from the EU about, um, you know, Han rescuing Chewie and then they're kind of just like fast friends from that moment. But at the same time, I think it'll make for a more interesting story from the film, uh, like f- for the movie itself, if, you know, they they start off in a different place and kind of have to work their way up to being like the partners in crime that we kind of know and love. Um, but it still could be a thing where like, I mean, maybe Han begrudgingly rescues Chewie or like saves him by accident or something. And then like, because of Wookiee traditions and stuff, it's like, oh, well, I don't really like you, but I guess I owe you a life debt now. Um, Or maybe Chewie is like really grateful and, you know, feels indebted to Han and Han's like, I don't want this, you know, big hairy Wookiee following me around all the time. And he's trying to get rid of him or something like, I mean, I could, I could see ways that they could work that story where there's still some, version of that like they don't just randomly happen to be on Beckett's crew together like I think we could see the two of them together at first because you do see in the trailer you know Beckett's like hey kid I'm putting together a crew like for a mission you in and then Chewie you know roars and Han goes that means yes so I think at that point they've already they've obviously already been together long enough that Han can understand at least some of what Chewie is saying um but I could also see how early in their relationship, like they could be maybe on good enough terms that like they want to be together or maybe they hate each other. But Chewie, you know, has his life debt and he's compelled uh-huh. to be there. But either way, you know, still having room for that relationship to grow um, and for them to be in a, a better place and have a closer relationship by the end of the movie than they do at the beginning of the movie. Um, even if it doesn't necessarily mean that they start off as complete strangers or start out, you know, hating each other, but there could be just, you know, a little bit more friction and tension at the beginning that gets worked out by the end. Yeah, those are some good points, actually, <laughs> that you brought up where it could still be a possibility of that happening, especially where you talked about, you know, I kind of forgot about that moment in the trailer where Han does speak for Chewie there, you know, establishing they have a prior relationship to joining Beckett's gang. So who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But speaking of Han and Chewie's relationship, something that makes me think that's going to play into how their fellowship grows and becomes the iconic friendship that we know and love today might have to play with uh, Emilia Clark's character, Kira. And in the interview she gave with Entertainment Weekly, uh, and just even revealed, I believe, kind of in their first article they posted about the cover issue, was how Kira and Han are going to be, you know, early friends, like pretty much early on in the movie, probably when we first see them, as we saw in the speeder chase sequence, she was in the passenger seat as that speeder Han was driving. And I don't know if you noticed, Kyle, but did you see the dice that was hanging on that speeder just like it does in the Falcon? You know, I didn't see it myself, but I saw, I think, like a YouTube video or something where they're pointing out, like, oh, things you might have missed in the Han Solo trailer. And that was, like, just the cover thumbnail of the video. And I was like, Uh oh, those were in there? 
Yeah, I mean, we kind of suspected those dice would be playing a role in Solo a Star Wars story after what we saw of them in Return or Return of the Jedi, the last Jedi. So, you know, glad they're there and, you know, we're going to be seeing a lot more of them. But I just love that continuing thread of how special those dice and the meaning they held for Han is going to be and how it ends up being a big moment at the end of Last Jedi. So I just think that's cool. But yeah, the idea of uh, Kira and Han kind of growing up together in the streets of like the underworld of the galaxy, I think is pretty interesting. Kind of, I picture her being the first friend that Han Solo really had. And they kind of said how there's probably going to be a romantic uh, relationship going on probably throughout the course of the film, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, something that's going to be really harped on. Or if not, I, it's going to be something that ends badly <laughs> probably for both. And the fact that in this interview with Amelia Clark, she's really playing up, you know, the mystery with Kira is saying that uh, she said throughout the relationship, you just can't put your, your finger on like, she's just a mystery. Like every time you think you've got her number, you realize you haven't at all, which is really hard to play. And the goal is that the shadow of Kira is there in Han as a character that we know. The girl is another texture that makes up who he is when we, when we first meet him. So with her mystery and kind of where you don't can't quite put your finger on what the character is going to do, I just have a feeling that this is going to be Han's oldest friend, and she's somehow going to end up betraying him. She's going to you know go against the team or maybe the person they're trying to steal, whatever they're trying to steal. She's actually working with. There's some way she's going to she might betray the team, and things are going to go bad. And the way I kind of feel that maybe that'll play into Han and Chewie's relationship developing was if you know the relationship is kind of off on a rocky start and what happens with Kira and Han where he just kind of loses faith in the one friend that he had he might be a little reluctant at first to form a new one with Chewie but as we kind of saw in that last shot of the TV spot where Chewie puts his hand on Han's shoulder we know that that relationship's going to grow it just might have take Han maybe a little bit of time to ease into after maybe being let down and betrayed by Kira and, you know, doesn't want to get close to another person to have that happen again. But in the end, we'll just make his bond with Chewie even stronger. So I don't know, the little speculation I had about it, the possibility of what Kira's character can go, but, or she could be someone who maybe gets killed in action and that really devastates Han and maybe doesn't want to get close to anyone for a while. So I don't know, there's a few different ways it can go, but when they keep talking about the mystery of the character, her being a femme fatale in the Star Wars galaxy, I just can't help but feel she might be betraying Han Solo and the team eventually. Mm -hmm. She could also potentially maybe drive a wedge between Han and Chewie if, um, you know, say they meet up with her and by this point, like Han and Chewie have already been together for a while, but Han, you know, knows this girl from his childhood and he's like, oh, we grew up together. She's cool. I trust her. Like we had a fling once. Um, you know, she's totally cool. You know, maybe he starts falling for her again or something. And Chewie's mm -hmm. like, nah, bro, like something's shady about this girl. Mm -hmm. Like she's changed or, you know, I think she's trying to play you or something. And, you know, maybe Han, you know, still having feelings for her or kind of being blinded by, um, you know, thinking that he knows her. Um, you know, maybe that could be something that could kind of cause conflict between them too. Like if Han trusts her and Chewie doesn't. Yeah, that could be cool, too. And again, it plays up to Han and Chewie's relationship growing because of the actions that Kira does to them. So, yeah, it's, I'm really fascinated to see, you know, how her character plays out and what happens to her. I mean, because we know she's probably the closest person that Han knows at this point of his life and knowing how they grew up together. And it makes me think, too, how the film's going to be paced. I wonder if 
if it's going to be told kind of in a non-linear fashion where we maybe might get flashbacks to Han and Kira, because it seems like they first come into contact together in this film again at that nightclub sequence. We, we see her there and we see her talk to Han. I wonder if that's where we'll first see Kira and then it'll trigger like a flashback to Han and her back in their early days and we get that uh, speeder chase sequence. Or, you know, it could start off that way. We won't see her for a little bit and then she'll pop back up again. But I think there's several different ways they can go as far as the pacing and the way to tell the story here. So we'll see how that plays out. But again, I'm just fascinated to see what's going to happen with Akira as a character and uh, how it goes down in her relationship with Han. So should be cool to see. Yeah, but definitely. The- Especially because I think, you know, there's going to be some kind of twist there, whether it's mm-hmm. something about her true intentions or even something about Han's past. Like when she says that line about, you know, I might be the only person who knows what you really are. Like, I can't tell if that's just going to be misleading or not. Like, is there some secret about Han that we're not going to find out about till the end of the movie? Or is she just going to be like, I'm the only one who knows what you really are. What's that? A stuck up scruffy looking nerf herder you know is it just going to be something like she knows him well and i mean he is it just like you know he's trying to put on this facade to like all these new people that he's around and she's like no i know who you really are like i've known you since i was a kid um and it's something that we the audience are already aware of or is there going to be you know some new information that she has that we don't know about till later on Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah so um, again yeah, there's a lot of interesting things with this character. I think she's going to yeah. be, out of all the new characters, the one you know really to keep an eye on as far as playing, having the biggest role to play in Han's development as a character to what we see in A New Hope for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, guys, yeah, as then, we're talking about this, I'm like playing the trailer on my phone yeah. and I'm trying <laughs> to freeze frame the moment where Han is like in the speeder escaping from the Imperials and I'm trying to see if Chewie's with him or not. I didn't notice him at all. But it there. doesn't look like so. it because you would think because it's chewy, like you'd be able to see his head sticking yeah. out of the top. I definitely think that's pre chewy <laughs> in that moment there. Yeah, but it looks like that's when he's escaping from the Empire. Um, yeah, but it could be I don't too, know. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, <laughs> but um, probably the character or the new ones that you know has me really excited to see play out in the Star Wars film is the new droid L three thirty seven. He's a uh, going to be played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And this character, when I first saw the trailer and saw the droid, I couldn't help but think, hmm, it's just going to be another K2SO. Like, she's going to be the K2 to Lando's uh, Cassian, where, you know, it's Lando's droid and she does whatever he says. But after reading this article and the info we got about uh, L337, I'm really excited about the character and think could be she could be one of the cooler droids we've seen in the Star Wars movie. First off, I think it's cool we're finally going to get a female droid in the Star Wars galaxy because we know it's always <laughs> with K2, 3PO, and R2. It's all been, you know, male droids. And even with BB-8, even when I first saw BB-8, I kind of was hoping and thought uh, BB-8 would be a female droid. It came across that way to me, the way uh, he sounded with his beeps and how different it was. But they ended up making BB-8 a guy droid. But we're finally getting a female one with L337. I think it's going to be cool. And the fact that makes her so intriguing to me is that she isn't going to be just, you know, Lando's droid. Uh, they describe her. I mean, in Entertainment Weekly article, uh, John Kasdan, uh, Lawrence Kasdan's son, one of the writers, says she's a self-modified droid. I mean, the idea is she's sort of a mutt, if you will, of various parts of different kinds of droids who improved upon herself. I think that's cool. And we see that in the way she looks. And even the Entertainment Weekly article kind of 
describes about the top of her head and faces almost look like a like a prototype BB unit type uh, design uh, mm. for her head, but then like the body of her is almost like a protocol, even maybe a little bit of astromech in there. Just this, you know, put together droid from various aspects of different other parts <laughs> from droids throughout the galaxy, what I think is cool. But I just really like the idea that this droid, she works for herself. It's not like she's with Lando. She just partners uh, up with Lando because they work good together. It's not because she's, you know, owned by Lando or anything. So the fact that we have a droid character who, you know, is just on its own, doesn't have to worry about answering to its master or taking orders from anyone. The fact that she's going to be her own character and just is out kind of for herself. I mean, she joins the crew probably looking for money <laughs> as all the other uh smugglers and scoundrels are going to see as part of Beckett's crew. So just the idea we're going to be seeing this different type of droid in a Star Wars movie that we haven't seen before has me really excited. So looking forward to seeing more of L337. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the droid characters are always fun because, you know, whenever they make them different, like obviously R2 and 3PO kind of set the precedent. And then, you know, when you've got BB-8, who's even kind of like a smaller, cuter version of R2, and then you got K2SO, who's like the snarky, sarcastic version of C-3PO, who can also hold his own with a blaster, um, and then, um, you know, like you said, just kind of going in even more of a new direction with this droid. Like, I always think it's cool when they're, when you have droids like that, that are just kind of autonomous, and it's like they don't really have a master or whatever, and um, seeing like, oh, this droid's kind of got its own motivations i mean one of my mm. favorite droids in all of star wars which is hk-47 and knights of the yeah. republic was kind of like that i mean he he followed you around and you know you could become his master and stuff but at the same time like he definitely sometimes felt like he had his own agenda or at least his own opinions and it wasn't just like oh i'm here to serve you and do whatever you say like i like when you've got those um you know the artificial intelligence that obviously, you know, it's not like some sci-fi movies where they totally go off the rails and they're trying to kill everybody, but just, you know, seeing that sort of independence there. Um, and it's something that we haven't really seen much in droids from Star Wars where, you know, we've got this droid that is just like totally self-maintaining and, you know, trying to be self-improving and just upgrading itself and, you know, cobbling herself together from all these different parts and stuff. So, um, but also just from in this article, the way that they were talking about, um, Phoebe as an actress and as a person, I mean, it seems like she's definitely going to have um, some comic relief um, mm. to that role as well, which also is something that, you know, is easy to have in, in these droid characters um, in different kind of ways. I mean, obviously, C-3PO is a much different kind of comic relief than K-2SO is, but you can get a, a lot of good laughs out of all of them. So I'm um, looking forward to seeing... Um, you know, obviously the, the fun part of that role that uh, we're going to get to see too. Yeah, definitely. Looking forward to see, oh, can't wait to see her talk too. hopefully in the next trailer and what she sounds like as a droid. Mm -hmm. But then the, one of the other interviews that they've had in the entertainment weekly article was with Donald Glover talking about Lando. It doesn't go into too much as far as providing any, you know, new earth shattering details about Lando in the movie. Um, he just kind of says this in regards to, you know, one of the questions about the Falcon and whether you know, Lando's ownership of his of it, you know, kind of reveals about who Lando is. And he's Donald Glover replied that he's just a very particular person with particular tastes, you know, and likes the comforts of life. You know, he says he would live in the Falcon right now <laughs> if he could. He would mention how even like between takes, he would like go and like 
like just sit there in a chair or whatever, just relax, read a book or something, or <laughs> get a few minutes uh, sleep, just hanging out in the Falcon, which is cool. But um, the takeaway that I took from this interview from Donald Glover is, you know, him just getting advice from Billy D. Williams about playing the role, which is cool. And we'll talk about this next with Alden Ehrenreich, but just the fact that, you know, these new actors are going to, you know, the original actors who played these characters for advice and just how much they're appreciative of the advice they got in particular with Donald Glover and uh, Land or <laughs> Lando, but Billy D. Williams playing Lando. And just, you know, because it is a big role to take on these iconic characters and the fact that, you know, the older actors can be there for support and just offer any advice they can is really cool. So I just think it's great that the, the original actors who play these characters are still willing to, you know, offer and be a part of this movie production in the little ways they can to just, you know, make the new actors ease into these roles. Just make it a little easier for them because it's got to be daunting <laughs> playing these big iconic characters. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, for sure. But speaking to that as well, one thing, because I think we kind of gotten, or Donald Glover said before that he spoke to Billy D. Williams about Lando. But what I didn't know was that um, Harrison Ford actually played a little, uh, or contributed a little bit to Solo, a Star Wars story uh, with Alden Ehrenreich, which, you know, I just thought Harrison Ford would want nothing to do <laughs> with the movie. But it turns out, you know, Kathleen Kennedy gave him the script, which I was surprised as well. And she said, you know, uh, he, he gave it his thumbs up, but, you know, in typical Harrison fa Harrison Ford fashion, he really didn't, you know, go into it too much or be over enthusiastic about it. But I guess giving a thumbs up from him is all they really need. But he said or Kathleen Kennedy said that the meeting he had with Alden Ehrenreich went really well. And, you know, <laughs> like how she said, I wish I could have heard it. But the Entertainment Weekly article says that Kathleen Kennedy even did a Harrison Ford impression saying, you know, he was a good kid, really good kid. <laughs> I would love to hear Kathleen Kennedy's Harrison Ford. But just the idea that, you know, he was involved a little bit off, like I said, with Billy D. Williams, even more so with Hans Harrison Ford because of how iconic Han Solo is and to be there for Alden Ehrenreich. And Kathleen Kennedy said it was, you know, really valuable that Alden Ehrenreich even mentioned a few times like during filming of how what Harrison told him really helped him in certain scenes and sequences and whatnot, which was cool to hear. So it just great to know that as much as Harrison Ford, you know, he was always like the bag on Han Solo or have this attitude where he doesn't really care. I, mean, I just remember at the last celebration where the, during one of the Star Wars shows live stream, they asked them about the Han Solo movie. Like, are you excited about it? He just goes, no. <laughs> yeah. I just, I actually just watched that on YouTube the other day, like as I was watching stuff for this movie and it just kind of popped up in the, uh, you know, related videos or whatever. And yeah, I mean, I've seen that in a couple interviews where I think one, they asked him like if he was going to be involved in it or if, you know, if he was, um, if they had asked him for input or anything like that. And then there was the one from celebration where he, they were like, you know, are you excited to watch it as a fan? And he's just like, not really. Um, <laughs> which to me says that they probably had to pay him to like read the script and, you know, maybe come in and hang out with Alden Aaron mm. Mike for a day, which is fine. Cause I mean, you know, it's Hollywood and people get paid for consulting stuff like that on movies all the time. And yeah, Harrison Ford doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would just, show up for a day and be like, hey, let me take you under my wing and tell you all about Han Solo. Um, especially given, you know, some of those previous interviews where he was like, you know, made it pretty clear that he wasn't really going to be involved in this movie. So like, <laughs> if they wanted to get him involved, there probably was also some payment involved. Um, but hey, you know, nothing wrong with that. Like he's, this is, you know, something that he's kind of done his time with and 
probably thought he was done with the character of Han Solo before they were like, actually, we're going to tell an origin story. You want to help us out with that? Um, so, yeah, that's totally understandable. But still, you know, like you're saying, just cool to know that um, that Alden Ehrenreich and Donald Glover got to spend time with the original guys that, you know, made these roles so iconic in the first place. And, I mean, I'm sure that can only help you as an actor to just kind of get some of those insights. Like, obviously, you can watch the movies dozens of times and read about the production and read you know novels and comics and other stories to try to get sort of in the headspace of the character but I think there's some additional insight that you can get from talking to the actors about like okay but like you know sort of where were you at as an actor and a performer and like what were you trying to convey through these roles and you know just sort of where were you at in that space so um yeah I'm sure that was you know, some really valuable insight for both of those guys. And hopefully it comes through in the performances in the movie. Yeah, definitely. And then also one of their last articles they've had uh, for Entertainment Weekly, as far as new characters goes, um, they just had one article about, you know, three main criminals in the underworld in Solo that we're going to see. First up being Tobias Beckett, played by Woody Harrelson. And how, again, he's going to be the one, you know, who shapes Han more than anybody. They said, uh, I believe it was Ron Howard who says that. Um, yeah, describing Beckett. And then how they kind of almost describe him as a long John Silver type character where, you know, he's a criminal out looking for the big score, but he's like, he known, but he's not at the top tier of the criminal underworld yet. So I guess, you know, he forms this crew with Han and some of the other characters to help, you know, get to that next top level in the criminal underworld. And then also uh, we got Val, who we saw just one quick shot in the trailer. Uh, we see her like kind of in the snowy mountain areas. It looks like she's loading up a gun. And in this article, it kind of describes her as that uh, she's tied to Beckett and that when she first meets um, Han, she doesn't necessarily trust him right away. It's kind of something where she'll be the one character who gives Han probably like the, the stern look or the uh, evil eye, so to speak, where she's always probably going to be questioning him and his actions. Uh, so I don't know if they'll ever gain that trust in the movie but uh she says she's going to be you know one of those characters who uh is not too impressed with han right away and then also uh, the character dryden voss who's played by paul bentley he's one of the top tier criminals that beckett's trying to reach um he's saying he's someone that uh he's a combination of class and swagger and like the real danger of probably what uh, they want to establish in the film is what john kazan says and where like we'll really go deeper like into the crime world than you know than anyone else in this movie is going to be by uh dryden boss so um he's going to be have connections with beckett but you know like i said they're in different places one of them's real in the higher ups and beckett's trying to make his way there and, but they also did <laughs> point out in the entertainment weekly article that even though his name last name is Voss, they pointed out that it is no relation to Quinlan Voss and that it was just a coincidence. So, yeah, I figured. That was, that's one bit of speculation we can already rule out. So, yeah, that's it for, you know, the, I guess, other main characters that's going to be part of Beckett's criminal underworld and his circle. I was kind of hoping we'd have a little information on that, you know, alien monkey creature with the four arms because <laughs> it looked like he was part of their a crew in the ship, but maybe we'll learn more about him later. So um, that's it for as far as new characters go and information's on them. But one last thing I'll mention in the Entertainment Weekly, as far as their coverage goes, uh, the last article they posted just today actually was, you know, kind of recounting of what happened with, you know, Bill Lord and Chris Miller being fired from the set and then bringing in Ron Howard. 
But one of the cooler things that it revealed in there was that uh, Lucas stopped by for a day of filming on there. And Ron Howard was talking about how, oh, I just thought it was going to be a quick visit. He was there with his wife. Is he going to say hello? But then he ended up staying for like almost five hours or something like that, just getting involved with the production that day. And the coolest part, though, is that as he was watching him film a scene, he actually makes a suggestion of what Han would do. He goes, well, Han would probably do this. And Han, or Ron Howard goes, you know what? That's great. You're right. And he goes telling uh, Alden Ehrenreich that, hey, uh, George Lucas says we should probably do it this way. So, you know, <laughs> let's film it again. <laughs> it is, I just love that in a small way, Lucas's, you know, fingerprints are going to be at least in one sequence or moment in the Han Solo movie. And it kind of hits to that where Ron Howard said it's kind of a more funny moment. So maybe we'll pick up on what maybe that is once we see the film. But I just think it's cool that Lucas, not only that he went there, but he must have liked what they were seeing because he stayed there a long time and then just, you know, decided to give his two cents for a sequence or a moment. So I thought that was really cool to find that out. Yeah. And how awesome and at the same time nerve wracking that must have been for, you know, all the cast and crew working on the movie. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, you're you're there trying to get this thing to work, especially after having, you know, production delays and firing your first directors and stuff. And it's like, OK, first day with new director on set. And oh, here comes George Lucas to see how things are going, <laughs> um, you know, and obviously I'm sure it was fine for Ron Howard because he and George are, you know, old friends and go way back. And I didn't even realize that Ron Howard was an actor in American Graffiti. Um, yep. So, yeah, obviously he and George you know, have known each other for a long time. And I'm sure it probably didn't make him too uncomfortable having George there. Although still, like, even if he's a close friend, having the guy who invented Star Wars looking over your shoulder as you're directing mm. Star Wars still has <laughs> got to be a little scary. Um, and one of the most iconic characters he created, too. <laughs> yeah. But, man, I can only imagine being like Donald Glover or Alden Ehrenreich on that day and just being like, oh, hey, George is here. Like, I feel like I'd be that kid from uh, the Robot Chicken special when, yeah. when he bumps into George at the convention, he's like, oh, my God, George Lucas. <laughs> uh, yeah, then give him a ride out of the studio set with uh, the Tauntaun costume. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's it for the Entertainment Weekly coverage and their articles. But just another Star Wars magazine I got to get once it's released. So I, I am glad it's not four covers this time. It's just one with uh, Han and Chewie on the cover. So I just don't need to go hunting for more than one i'll just be able to get one have my issue for solo a star wars story for entertainment weekly so again it's just great that you know we got the trailer the tv the tv spot the trailer i mean that was enough to get me pumped for solo but then having all this coverage every day of this whole week since we got that trailer on monday was just awesome and just loving the vibe that this movie is putting off when i see the trailers and i read these descriptions for some of the new characters we're going to meet and the portrayals for classic characters with Han and Lando. Just, I don't know. I'm just digging what they're selling us right now with a hot, with solo, a star Wars story. I just, to me, it's just coming together really nicely. I just hope it all works out in the end where it's just a movie that's, you know, despite its production woes comes together and is just a great star Wars movie experience. So again, these articles and hearing the creators like Ron Howard, Lawrence and John Katz and talk about it just, got me more amped up for it in addition to the trailer so it's just been a great week for this movie after you know waiting so long to get some little inkling or a little bit of <laughs> info about this movie we got a truckload of stuff this weekend it's been awesome so mm -hmm. yeah I, it's been really really fun 
Yeah, it's like once they could put it out there, they put it all out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still, you know, definitely looking forward to seeing more. Uh, you know, can't wait till we get like, I guess, a first official trailer because they still, you know, the first trailer they put out is always like the teaser trailer. Um, so it'll probably be another month or two before we get like Solo, a Star Wars story, official trailer number one. Um and hopefully, you know, just more good stuff to look forward to there. Um, again, obviously hoping to see some more of Lando um, and just some more of like what the overall story of the movie is going to be. Um, although, you know, again, we know, I guess the gist of it is going to be just Beckett putting this crew together to go on some kind of mission and then getting some of Han's backstory with, um, you know, growing up with Kira and then his time in the Imperial Academy and all that. Um, but yeah, I think I think the signs are all good so far. Um, and, uh, you know, can't wait to see more of this as we go along and, uh, hopefully come Memorial Day weekend, we'll be watching yet another, uh, very, you know, enjoyable and well done Star Wars movie. And hopefully this one will be a success. Yep. Um, so I think, well, actually, you know what, before we get on to some of the other, uh, stuff we got to talk about one last bit of movie news here. Um, and it feels weird that you know after all this time of talking about the last jedi that for this episode is just going to be kind of a quick little tack on at the end here but um uh, we've <laughs> talked about you know the the new future movies that uh you know are going to be coming up from the game of thrones guys we talked about solo and now um just the only piece of news we got to talk about regarding the last jedi for now is that um you know obviously the uh nominations for the oscar awards for this year um, got announced recently, and The Last Jedi has gotten nominated for four Oscars uh, for Best Sound Mixing, Best Sound Editing, Best Visual Effects, and Best Original Score for John Williams, which I was kind of surprised by. Um, so I think, well, I know he got nominated for The Force Awakens. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I guess, I mean, not that he's not deserving for The Last Jedi because I thought the, the score was fantastic, but he you know, it's just kind of reuses a lot of themes from the force awakens and, um, a lot of themes from the original trilogy with like Luke and Leia's theme and Yoda's theme and stuff. And I'm not criticizing it at all because as a star Wars fan, I love all that stuff, but I guess I would have expected you'd have to have, you know, more new music in there to get nominated for another Oscar. But I guess at this point they're like, Hey, he's John Williams. We'll just keep throwing nominations at him. Um, which is perfectly fine with me. I hope he wins. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, I think the force awakens didn't win any, did it? No, it didn't. Nor did rogue one. Yeah. So nor nor did any of the prequels, which means no movie in my lifetime has won an Oscar. Yeah. I know the prequels. Hoping changes this time. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, hopefully the, uh, the last Jedi can rack up at least one of these. Um, so we shall see. Yeah, I mean, it's in all in the normal categories you would expect, sound, visual effects. I was hoping maybe for, you know, you know, going back to what J.J. Abrams said a while ago about Mark Hamill's greatest performance and maybe he being up for an Oscar. I knew that was a really long shot, but there's just a part of me hoping that that would be the case. Oh, you know, I was hoping it was, for it, too. It was a fantastic performance and knowing, you know, that, you know, what happened to Luke in the movie with him dying and this performance Mark Hamill gave throughout with is so, so good. So I was... Hoping for that, even though it was a long shot. And of course, it didn't happen. So <laughs> a little yeah. disappointed at that end. But now, like I said, I just want to see a Star Wars film win one Oscar in my lifetime. Because Return of the Jedi, I was born in 83. I don't think that won any. But even if it did, I wouldn't remember seeing it. <laughs> Not even being a year old. So, yeah, 
but I, of course, didn't see Empire and A New Hope win any. So I just want to see one time they open that envelope and say the word Star Wars. <laughs> that would be nice. That would be very nice. Um, yeah, and man, I'm right there with you. Like, I was hoping Mark Hamill would get nominated. I knew it was probably a long shot, especially because, you know, with, um, you know, sci-fi and superhero movies and all the, you know, kind of big blockbuster type movies. Like, you don't <laughs> usually get nominations for best actor and stuff like that aside from like heath ledger in the dark knight but man i keep going back to that scene of like um luke when he's teaching ray about the history of the jedi and stuff mm -hmm. and then his failure and you know because i was luke skywalker jedi master a legend um mm -hmm. yeah, he's, uh, i mean he's so good in that whole movie but i think that scene in particular is just some of his most powerful and like emotionally vulnerable um aspects of his performance um so I don't know. Hopefully he wins something. I know there's like the Saturn Awards that are like just for sci-fi. And yeah, there's tons of awards out there that you never really hear about besides just the Oscars and the Golden Globes. So hopefully somebody will give Mark Hamill a nice piece of hardware for that performance. Yeah, or even like a special Lifetime Achievement Award somewhere. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The, the Lifetime like Childhood Hero Award. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's okay, Mark. You're a winner in our book. You always will be. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. So that's going to pretty much wrap up all the movie stuff. Um, we've got a couple new things to talk about in other areas of Star Wars, one of which being Star Wars Battlefront 2. Um, now, Tim, have you been playing this much lately? Because I know we, it's been forever since we've gotten to play together, but I know you tend to like be on later at night when I've got to go to bed because I'm an hour ahead of you. Yeah. So we keep missing each other. No, but actually, it, I haven't played Battlefront in a while. Not since the last time we all got on. I played with you, your dad, and Paul, which was a few weeks ago now. That was the last time I played. And it's kind of unfortunate that I haven't played Battlefront 2 as much as the first one, and let alone together, and just even by myself. Because one thing, scheduling a little busier. But another thing where this didn't happen with the first Battlefront, there was a lot of other good games I've been waiting to play that were coming out not too long after Battlefront 2, so my attention's elsewhere. Like, I played the new Dragon Ball Fighters game, which is lots of fun, so that's taken away from my Battlefront 2 time. And then there's another Final Fantasy game that just came out, which, you know, I'm going to start that one next. So there's just a lot of games from some of my favorite franchises that have come out really close to Battlefront 2, which wasn't the case for the first one, which deviates my attention. So I haven't been playing it as much, so... But hopefully once we get the new, you know, season DLC announced, which hopefully is Clone Wars <laughs> and some of these new updates that they have, I'll definitely be jumping back in once we get those. Yeah, there's, I mean, they uh, released an update recently where they kind of laid out the future of the game here. Um, and this was kind of an update that they released like right as the last Jedi season ended. Um, and of course we got some new content with that and they had the challenges going on and stuff. Um, so if you've been playing the game and, uh, you participated in the last Jedi season, um, I'm sure you're probably aware by now that the first order, uh, handily defeated those of us who sided <laughs> with the resistance um, as expected, <laughs> which was a dumb mistake on my part. I mean, I should have known everybody was going to pick the bad guys. I picked the resistance because I like their ships better and you know, not to brag, but I freaking kill it at fighter squadron. Um, and <laughs> hey, I was I like, well, for that. I was like, Hey, maybe I can help my team in an X wing, but that was, you know, not the majority of the challenges and stuff that we had to do for that. So, um, yeah, I should have just, 
I knew the first order was going to win. I should have just picked the winning team. But rest assured, well, next time there's a challenge with, like, the Empire versus the Rebellion, I'll pick the Empire just because I know they're going to win. And whenever they do a Clone Wars one... Um, well, That's I, a no-brainer, man. <laughs> yeah, I know the clones are going to win, but also I'm going to pick them because I love the clones. And, uh, yeah, I would never side with the Clankas. I'd be curious to see the ratio of that. I mean, I wish they would release how many sided with which faction, but I would love to see the Republic versus Separatists because <laughs> how many would actually pick the Separatists? I am sure there are fans of the droids and their designs and maybe how they play, so which is cool, but I just can't see it being anywhere near as close to how many people are going to pick the Republic with the clones. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, especially once they hopefully update and add some new units and they get like Droidicas and Magna Guards and stuff on the Separatist side and like General yeah, Grievous maybe. and stuff. Um, of course, I know, you know, people love playing as Darth Maul, but still like, yeah, how can you not love clone troopers? No, they, they can counter with that with maybe with some Republic commandos or, you know, Captain Rex and mm -hmm. other clone generals. So <laughs> they'll always have the edge. Yeah. Um, but anyway, as far as the, the update for like the content moving forward, I know because um, I've been following some a, a couple of YouTube channels too, like Star Wars HQ and Battlefront updates that um, post videos like almost daily following updates from the developers and, you know, just kind of talking about tweets from different people and stuff like that um and it seems like there's going to be a new patch coming for the game very soon which is not going to be like the next dlc season but just kind of an update fixing some balance issues and stuff but it sounds like um there's also going to be maybe some new arcade maps um there's going to be and this is mentioned in this uh this update from the ea website too um there's going to be a new game mode called jetpack cargo um, and it says two teams of eight players equipped with jetpacks compete in jetpack cargo, a frantic, fast-paced way to play. And this mode will only be available for a limited time, so don't miss it. Um, that sounds like a lot of fun. You know, anytime, like, I love those just kind of fun game modes that they put in games where, you know, either, like, everybody's got jetpacks or everybody's got rocket launchers or something that just kind of makes it, like, crazy and chaotic and over the top. And it's, like, kind of ridiculous, but just, like, a blast to play. Um, and kind of levels the playing field because like, you know, it's not like you have to really know the map or the terrain or like be a really good shooter or anything. It's just crazy and everybody's flying around and blowing each other up and stuff. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I just don't know why it's got to be, you know, a limited thing, though. It'd be kind of nice to have a new mode that was always there. It's kind of disappointing that, it, you know, you, you might miss it if you're not able to play it for a while. So it's a little yeah why they went that route well i think they maybe want to just test it out like maybe it's supposed to just kind of be like a fun thing that's not that serious and um i mean i'm sure it's not going to be just like for a week or two it'll probably be around for at least hopefully like a month or two yeah. um and then if people end up really liking it then maybe they'll bring it back at some point or maybe they'll keep it around permanently um but i do know they've talked about you know, part of the reason that we had a lot less game modes to begin with in Battlefront 2, like there's only five and in Battlefront 1, I think we had like maybe eight or nine or something when the game launched, um, is they're trying to, you know, keep people playing together and not have everybody spread out over, you know, a bunch of different game modes where, you know, you end up with matches that aren't full and stuff. They're trying to kind of consolidate it a little bit more. So I can understand why they're making this a temporary thing, just because if you think ahead to like a year or two from now, if they're still uh releasing new content and releasing new game modes i mean we could be up to like 15 or 20 game modes that would have everybody way spread out so if you um kind of come up with these new modes and like 
kind of cycle between them rather than having them all available at the same time, um, then it's like you get to try out something different and at the same time like not have everybody all over the place. Um, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but it would still be nice if you really like it, you'd want to have it there all the time. But I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they'd be receptive to that feedback, too. I mean, I think probably part of the reason that it might be limited time for now is just to kind of see people's reaction to it. Um, but hopefully it's a lot of fun because it sounds like it might be. Um, and they do say they're also working on a revamped progression system um, and taking a lot of player feedback into uh, consideration there. And that's something they've been working on since pretty much right when the game launched. And there was so yeah. much negative backlash about the, you know, the loot crates and the having to buy star cards to upgrade your characters and stuff like that. So I'll be interested to see, uh, you know, what they finally end up doing with that. I think that's supposed to come out sometime in March, um, just from some of the other updates I've been hearing. Um, and that might also coincide with the beginning of uh, the second season, but we don't know exactly when that's going to be yet. Um, but I do know, like, it seems like their main priority right now is getting that progression system fixed. And so hopefully um, that'll you know alleviate a lot of people's issues with that. They did also announce recently that they're going to be bringing back the microtransactions, you know, the ability to, like, spend actual money in the game. And the thing that really bothered me about this was that it was like a whole new wave of negative backlash from people going, oh, how dare they? Like, it was unpopular the first time, and they shut it down, and they took it out. Like, why are you trying to bring it back? EA is so greedy, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, if you paid attention to the articles and stuff, they said from the beginning that they were going to yeah. take it out <laughs> and reevaluate, you know, uh, uh, the best way to implement this moving forward. It was always going to be something that was going to come back, but mm -hmm. in a way that would make it less intrusive and that you couldn't just drop a bunch of money to get a bunch of star cards and be better than everybody else. But of course they're going to need some way to still make money off of it because they're making free DLC. Like, I mean, I understand that people don't like paying for extra stuff in games nowadays, but like there was so much negative backlash over the first game about the whole season pass and now with this game, they're like, okay, well, we'll give you free DLC, but like they've got to have some way to continue making money. Um, and I'm not necessarily trying to defend them because like, I mean, EA has still done stuff that like I don't agree with. And sometimes it can come off as greedy. But at the same time, I totally understand that if you're going to have a game that after launch, you're going to support it with just a bunch of free DLC content and more heroes and maps and stuff that everybody wants to see, like the developers have to get paid somehow. Um, and you could argue that like, if, as they keep making the game better, well, that's going to make more people want to buy it. But I mean, they still need, you know, to be, to have, you know, money coming in supporting this thing. So I am totally fine with them adding microtransactions back in, especially if it has to do with like cosmetic options. And, you know, if you can pay like a dollar or two to get like you know, some 501st clone trooper skins or like a Twi'lek head for your rebel soldier or something like that. That stuff is totally fine as long as it's not stuff that, you know, is giving people an unfair advantage in the game. So, um, you know, that, and again, it, that's something that I think if you paid attention, you should have known was going to be coming back at some point anyway. So I was a little annoyed when people are, you know, flipped out at them over that. Um, but hopefully that goes a lot more smoothly the second time around. So when they bring back the microtransactions and, and revamp the progression system and everything, I'm hoping that it'll be a, a much smoother experience than it was when the game first started. Yeah, hopefully. And they got to, you know, suspect that too. Uh, this 
everyone's going to be watching them closely as far as you know how they're going to implement the microtransactions back and it's obviously going to be different from what they had planned originally so i i would agree i think it would be better even though i'm sure it would still annoy a lot of players you know if the microtransaction was more cosmetic based where you could customize your character more with armor colors like you said different alien species to play as that might work a little better as far as not you know, worrying about players taking advantage of just, you know, buying those crystals and leveling up their characters and getting all the good weapons. Just have it be more, you know, just, you know, how you look in the game, which would be, you know, not a detriment to the actual gameplay style and those being so much better than you. So hopefully it'll be more on that front. But then you're going to hear, oh, well, they had those customizations in the first game without being microtransactions. So why couldn't they do that again? So either way, they're not going to... You know, make well, everyone yeah, but the first game charges so. you fifteen bucks a piece for DLC packs. Exactly. I mean, you got to give and take somewhere. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, you know, it's going to be that's going to be unpopular no matter what they do, in my opinion. And but it just can't be as bad as what it was originally planned. So <laughs> I think at least got to be thankful for that. And we had a little bit of time to you know level up your character to the fullest and get the best weapons as you could, just playing the game regularly. So I will give them this that I think. They did allow enough time to pass before they implemented uh, microtransactions again. So it wasn't like it was just a week or two or a month where you got to play without microtransactions. We were going to have at least, you know, like November, December, January. We're in February now, almost four complete months. And we don't even know exactly when those are going to come back yet. So it's going to be a good long portion where we didn't have to worry about microtransaction. And like you said, we knew it was coming back at some point it was just a matter of when so you can't really get too down or upset about it Mm -hmm. yeah and yeah like you said i mean they haven't even announced when these are coming back but i would assume maybe march because it sounds like that'll probably be when the next big update is um so if you know maybe march at the earliest and if not then sometime like over the spring or summer but i'm sure ea wants to get those back in there as soon as possible yeah. <laughs> so they can start making more money off of it but you know as long as that means that they're making more money that they can then use to produce more great content for the game like that's fine with me cuz i will say this i'm still loving this game um and i don't get to play it you know, all the time, but I still, you know, probably play like once or twice a week at least. Um, and yeah, I mean, whether I'm playing, you know, Strike or Galactic Assault or uh, sticking to my uh, my tried and true and just shooting people down in space um, or over Camino, which is still just amazing. Um, you know, I'm just having so much fun with it and I can't wait to see what they do next as far as new maps and heroes and all that kind of content. Um, they do say here in this um, in this update, kind of the last bullet point, they say a new season is coming soon. Um, we've learned a lot from the first season of content in Star Wars Battlefront 2, and we're integrating those insights into our plans moving forward. We know you're waiting for details on what's coming in the next season, and we'll have more to tell you soon. So no official announcement yet about... Um, you know, either what kind of content we're going to get or when we might be getting that. Um, But hopefully it'll be sooner than later. You know, hopefully we'll maybe get at least an official announcement sometime this month um, about when we can expect more details on that and kind of, um, you know, a a release window or, you know, maybe some details about like what we can expect, like what era it's going to be in or anything like that. Um, But I think the signs are probably pointing towards a Clone Wars season, um, especially because they know like that's the one that everybody wants to see um 
and you know people are chomping at the bit to get their hands on like anakin and obi-wan and grievous and all that fun stuff so hopefully we'll get some of that sooner than later yep so still be you know like i said even though we haven't been playing battlefront 2 as much as we'd liked or hope to there's still more great stuff that's going to be down the pipe that's going to be you know have us jump back in and be excited about it all over again so it should be fun once we finally do get those details yeah definitely um and yeah i mean is especially if there's more new clone wars content like i will be all over that um, exactly yeah <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, I mean, anytime there's a, a big new content drop and new maps and stuff, that always draws us back in together for at least a little bit. Um, but, yeah, so can't wait to see what the future's got in store for that. Um, and then um, I think that's about it for the video game stuff. And lastly, we'll just talk about Star Wars Rebels, which, man, it seems kind of hard to believe we haven't talked about this yet because this was, like, almost a month ago. But we got the trailer for Season 4 of Star Wars Rebels, um, or the, I guess the mid-season trailer, um, it almost feels like the season four trailer just cause it's been so long since we got the first half of season four. Um, yeah, <laughs> that has been one of the longer breaks. Yeah. Well, I mean the fact that this was a shorter season combined with the fact that, you know, they've, they were releasing like two episodes a week. I mean, they got the first half of the season out of the way really quick. So, um, hopefully they make all the episodes available on the Disney XD app so we can just go and actually i think they are all available right now um at least last i checked so we should be able to you know catch up on the first half of the season rewatch that if you want um but we got the mid-season trailer leading up to what is going to be the finale of uh star wars rebels um coming this spring um and actually this is right around the corner here the the season returns on february 19th um, and is only running for three weeks. Um, so we've got two episodes yeah, airing. Yeah, we got two episodes airing on Monday the 19th, two episodes on Monday the 26th, and then the last three episodes, um, or they've got it listed as two episodes here in the press release, but the last one, I mean, we're guessing is either an hour-long episode or like a two-part episode. Um, that's going to be on Monday, March 5th. Um, and they released like the titles for all these episodes. So Monday the 19th, we're getting uh, Jedi Knight and Doom. Um, and then the two episodes on the 26th are called Wolves and a Door and The World Between Worlds. And then Monday, March 5th um, is called A Fool's Hope and then Family Reunion and Farewell. Um, so again, we got all this you know, the information about these final episodes to go along with the trailer that kind of for the first half was just like a recap of um the series up to this point um and it definitely seemed to focus primarily on like ezra's journey as a jedi and kind of discovering the force and all that kind of stuff um and then but the stuff we see towards the end of the trailer like the new stuff that's going to be coming up for these final few episodes looks really cool um oh man like Kane, <laughs> we're for some crazy stuff <laughs> yeah kanan cuts his hair and goes all crazy jedi on a bunch of stormtroopers and he's you know going back to rescue hera um looks like if you're a fan of loath wolves we're gonna be seeing a lot of those (laughs) in these final few episodes um looks like ezra is really gonna step up and kind of be in his jedi element here 
Um, obviously some climactic battle type stuff between the Rebellion and the Empire and Grand Admiral Thrawn and, you know, the Rebels trying to liberate Lothal and however that all is going to go down. But I think... Yeah, Wolf and Gregor back too. <laughs> Should be yeah, awesome. Yeah, Rex bringing in some reinforcements. Um, but I think, safe to say, probably the maybe two or three biggest takeaways from this trailer um, is definitely, you know, the kind of the and i guess this all kind of ties into the same thing with ezra's journey um kind of coming to a head here and it looks like he's going to be back in the the jedi temple on lothal and we see um f first of all what is kind of a blink and you'll miss it easter egg but definitely some connections to the mortis trilogy here oh yes in fact there's like a mural <laughs> or painting or something that he's looking at that like lights up and it's basically a depiction of the father, the son, and the daughter from Mortis. So that's one thing. Second of all, I think we're going to see, like, Ahsoka's force spirit in the little green convoree bird that looks like the daughter. Because I don't know if you noticed this, but in that picture, the daughter's got a convoree sitting on her shoulder um, mm -hmm. in yep. that <laughs> painting. And then there's a shot in the trailer where, uh, you know, Ezra seems to be walking through some force vision or something and sees the little green bird and is like, Hey, I've seen you before. And we obviously know, like we've got six or seven episodes left and we still haven't got any promised answers on, um, what happened to Ahsoka. So I think that is going to be revealed through here somehow. And then the last thing, of course, um, you know, we talked about maybe the, what kind of cool stuff could we see for the series to go out on a bang, um, and I had talked about like, man, I hope Vader comes back and, you know, if Kanan's going to die, like it would be cool to see Vader be the one to finish him off. Um, no sign of Vader in this trailer, but we have plenty of Emperor Palpatine voiced by not Sam Witwer, but Ian McDermott himself, um, coming back to reprise the role of Emperor Palpatine. And Tim, I don't know if you saw this, but, um, like the night that the trailer dropped, I was looking on Twitter and people were asking Sam Witwer, like, hey, is this you, you know, doing the voice of Palpatine again? And uh -huh. I think this was before it was like officially announced because I'm seeing this on the press release right here um, that it says Ian McDermott reprises his role as Emperor Palpatine. But before I had ever seen that, I was just reading all these tweets from Sam Witwer and he, he straight up confirmed like, no, I am not playing Palpatine. And I couldn't be more excited about it because the person who is playing Palpatine is, you know, my idol and somebody that I look up to and like the only other person that I would rather see in the role. And I'm like, well, then they must have got the original guy back, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, I talk about a nice surprise in this trailer. I mean, we were talking about previously, you know, what Dylan could end this series on with the bang, knowing that we already had Vader and we already had Thrawn and now we got Palpatine. I mean, doesn't get any bigger than the Emperor himself showing up in these final episodes and, and being voiced by Ian McDermott, nonetheless. I mean, it's just the icing on our already delicious cake we're going to be getting with these last episodes. So that's awesome that he's going to be in it. But I'm just fascinated to see, you know, his interactions with Ezra and how long he's been eyeing Ezra. What's his plans for him if he has some type of new uh you know, project or way of using another force user in a different way than the Inquisitors. It's just going to be really interesting to see what Palpatine wants to do with Ezra. And then also, too, with uh, Ezra and how Palpatine is going to be involved with 
his eventual fate in these final episodes because um, it's obviously it's probably going to be the last moment of or at least the final main conflict or action sequence is going to be Ezra facing down Palpatine because it doesn't get bigger than that. <laughs> and I just the outcome of that, because uh, I don't think it's going to be anything where it's going to end on a bad note for Ezra because him being the main character of this series, I don't think Dave Filoni is going to have his story end on a total downer. I mean, he might come to a realization where he knows what he has to do in this scenario, whether it's, you know, stay in the Jedi temple on Lothal for the greater good of the galaxy, for some new realization that he comes to find out about, or you know, maybe he does make it out and he not necessarily defeats Palpatine in like any physical way, but he resists his temptations uh, to join the dark side or whatnot, because I don't think that's definitely not happening. He's not going to be joining the dark side. I think Ezra is going to have, you know, a triumphant victory, for his uh, final lesson here, as he says in the trailer. So I just can't wait to see all that stuff between Palpatine and Ezra. But then we get to the Mortis stuff. Oh, man. <laughs> this is even a greater surprise to me in the trailer. And I'm almost embarrassed. No, I shouldn't say almost. I am embarrassed to say that I didn't pick up on the father, the son, the daughter on that uh, mural there when I first saw it. Because I was watching it on my phone for the first time. And when that sequence happened in the trailer, I just thought, you know, with some Jedi symbols in the temple being lit up uh, by Ezra, and it's going to reveal something to him. And it was a quick shot, too, so I didn't see it right away. And then eventually when I was going through it, again, not too long after I saw it for the first time doing the old frame-by-frame frame, <laughs> slow motion uh, viewing of it, and then I saw them, I was like, oh, like, oh man, this is it's actually the father, son, and daughter. This, this is Mortis here. Like, I lost my mind. I couldn't believe that we were getting more stuff from Mortis in this trailer and hopefully more in these episodes. It was just a really, really cool surprise to get because the Mortis trilogy is probably, you know, my favorite arc of the Clone Wars. Overlord is my favorite episode of the entire series. So I've always wanted to see them, you know, be mentioned or be, you know, a little more, I don't want to say more revealed about them, but just have them play a role more in the grander scheme of things with the Force as the story progresses in the saga. So I'm glad Dave Filoni's bringing them back. Uh, we'll see how much. I mean, it might just be this mural. We don't get any new information or hear anyone mention their names, but I would like to think Ezra kind of questions, you know, who who are these people in this artwork here? So hopefully we get a little more, you know, dialogue with them too and not just a visual nod to having these characters again. But it's just really, really cool that Dave's bringing them back in this way. Because before I saw that, I just thought Ezra's uh, conversation with the Convery was, you know, my favorite part of the trailer because it's tied to Mortis and it's probably going to have connections to Ahsoka like we've all been waiting for. And that line he said, you know, like, haven't I seen you before? I mean, it's just we know we're going to get more Ahsoka through that Convery in this whole uh, sequence here in which, you know, I could probably safely guess it's going to be the episode of World Between Worlds or maybe Wolves mm -hmm. in the Door. But those two episodes we see that night is going to be where we get all this stuff. And, man, I couldn't be more excited. So, yeah, a lot of cool stuff in this trailer. I mean, I thought even as a whole, it was really cool since this more than likely is our final trailer for Star Wars Rebels to have a nice recap of Ezra's journey and where we left off with Kanan and to have it progress for what we're going to see in these remaining episodes. And, man, I said this before, too, but got to enjoy these three weeks because that's all we have left of this show, just three mm -hmm. weeks it's going to go by really quick and man, then Rebels will be gone and we'll be without new Star Wars TV for, you know, uh, for a good while. So 
Got to try to enjoy these last few episodes. And it looks like Dave Filoni and company are going to deliver on giving us something special and wrapping the series up in a really, really cool way if this trailer is any indication. So, yeah, I thought it was great. And there's so much to be excited for in these remaining episodes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it still kind of boggles my mind as to why they're doing this like two episodes a week kind of thing. I mean, it seems like for the final season, they're just trying to get it out of the way and get it over with yeah. as fast as possible. Whereas we as the fans are like, man, I kind of want to like, savor this and enjoy it for a little bit longer um but i don't know i mean nonetheless i'm definitely looking forward to getting you know this final uh set of stories here and seeing how they finish off this series um and like you were saying just tons of exciting stuff there especially with you know with palpatine and all the mortis connections and stuff and i'm even wondering with palpatine like i highly doubt that that's actually palpatine in the flesh Especially oh, yeah. since it's in like this Lothal Jedi temple and we know that he's going to be having like Mortis type visions and stuff. I mean, I think it's going to be very similar to um, Sacrifice at the end of the Yoda arc from um, the Clone Wars where he's, you know, he ends it by basically fighting Darth Sidious, but it's in like a whole force vision kind of thing. Um, so it could be something very similar going on here. Um, but at the and same even time, one of the shots, like the wide shot of Ezra and Palpatine, it looks like it's almost a, pal- a hologram of Palpatine where, you know, you definitely tell it's not he's not physically there. Yeah. Well, there was that one shot where he did look like a hologram, but then there's other shots where it looks like a pretty mm-hmm. realistic Palpatine. Um, but I mean, either way, you know, regardless of whether he's a hologram or a four spirit or if he somehow is physically there, um, I mean, seeing Ian McDermott as Palpatine again is just going to be so awesome. So, um, and and it's cool yeah. how many original voice actors they've been able to bring back for this show too. Like, um, yeah, you're right. You know, we've had uh, James Earl Jones as Vader. You know, obviously Anthony Daniels is a C three PO because he did that. You know, even back on Clone Wars. But like, then to have um, Billy D. Williams as Lando mm. and Frank Oz as Yoda and now um, Ian McDermott as Palpatine, like, that is really awesome. Yeah, I mean, they really knock it out of the park with those iconic characters. And even if they don't get the original voice actors, you, they don't mess around with getting great voice actors to play these iconic roles. I mean, uh, for Obi-Wan in the Twin Sons episode, I mean... Uh, it was just a great performance. And mm-hmm. man, why am I blanking on his name right now? Oh, uh, like, Steven I, Stanton. Yeah. See, I was going to say, how can I forget Steven Stanton? He's Gascon. How can I forget that? <laughs> <laughs> He's Admiral Radis, and Gascon <laughs> is the first thing you go with. <laughs> Would you expect anything less from me? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, they just nail it with these, you know, legacy characters. And it's continuing with Palpatine, which is awesome. It's a great way to end it on. Just can't wait. And, that last shot we got in the trailer where I hope this is Ezra facing off against Palpatine, whether, you know, it's a vision, uh, some type of, even though he's not physically there, even if he's just going to go about it using the force, unite his lightsaber. But then you see those eyes of the Loth wolves come up behind them. It's just such an amazing shot. And I would mm-hmm. love for Palpatine to see that <laughs> for him to see the Loth wolves and the Loth wolves to see him and probably sense just, the darkness that he has, I think would be really, really cool. So I really hope that last shot in the trailer with Ezra and the Lulf was him, you know, facing off against Palpatine. That would be awesome. Cause like you said, the lot of great Lulf shots in this trailer, that one, then there's that one shot where Ezra seems to be talking 
or having a conversation with them in this like purple skyline. There's just one huge loath wolf that he's talking to. And this looks really cool visually. Mm-hmm. So I've been a big fan of them since we first got our, you know, first glimpse at them in the season four trailer and then seeing them in actual episodes and just having that great fantasy element into star Wars and their connection with the force. I just loved and glad that they'll be playing a role on these final episodes as well. So there's so much to look forward to. And then haven't even mentioned Kanan yet, but as you alluded to with his new haircut and his, you know, mission to go rescue Hera and sad to say, but I think these first two episodes we were going to get when rebels comes back on February 19th, I think, that's going to be it for Kanan. <laughs> I mean, mm. the episode titles just speak to a Jedi Knight and then Doom. And we talked about the descriptions for them in our last episodes of how, you know, the team deals with a big loss or something to that effect. So and we just might have one more week left of Kanan being around. So it's going to be to see how interesting to see how he goes out as well. So, man, only what? See, six, five, seven episodes left and then. Yeah, it's going to be gone and big stuff's going to happen in each and every one of these episodes I think starting with Kanan's journey and where you know his fate's going to lie and continuing that down with Ezra and then just you know where we leave the rest of the heroes in the final episodes and just seeing what happens to all of them even though we know Hera and uh, Chopper make it to Rogue One just everyone else and just seeing uh, what this final battle on Lothal where it leaves everybody and just you know the state of mind and the resolve to fight with the rebellions is going to be interesting to see because I'm sure it's going to be different for each one of them and what they go through. So mm-hmm. just, I think each one of these episodes is going to be something really special and it's almost going to feel like one long movie almost, I think. And they're kind of building up the last three to be that way. Like the series finale is just one long episode. But I just think even the four coming before those three, is there, it's going to be feel like one big long movie as we see the final act of star wars rebels so mm-hmm. it's got a little over a week to go then it'll be here and then sadly it'll be gone but i'm still very excited to enjoy these next three weeks yeah it's i mean again it's kind of disappointing that it's going to be done and over with so quickly but at the same time at least we won't have to you know have to wait very long to uh, to get all these stories and so um it'll be a very enjoyable amount of content that we'll get for those three weeks um, and man, I can't wait to see how this all wraps up. One crazy theory that I had going through my head as we were talking about, you know, the the Mortis connections and Ahsoka and all this stuff. I'm like, what if somehow like the Force needs to fill that void of like the father, the son, and the daughter, and like somehow like Ahsoka becomes the daughter, Palpatine turns Ezra to the dark side and he becomes the sun and uh. then like the Bendu comes back as the one in the middle. Man, that, that's <laughs> crazy, but it's like way out there, but sense, I was just like, but... man, that would be freaking cool. Yeah. When you say like that, it does make sense for it to go down that way. But at the same time, I just don't think they're going to have Ezra's story end on the dark note where it like goes to the dark side or something. I'll give major props to Dave Filoni crew. If they decide to go that way, to have a more, you know, thematic ending for his character instead of just the typical happy ending maybe that he might get. But yeah, <laughs> that would be crazy though to have a new father, son, and daughter, at least a representation of them. Jeez, mm-hmm. that would blow my mind if that happens. <laughs> yeah, because I'm wondering like what Ahsoka is doing there just as the daughter by herself. Like you kind of need that trio there. Yeah, and just why um, does the Jedi Temple on Lotho have that symbols of the father, son, and daughter? Like, has it always been there or did it manifest 
their imagery there because of Ahsoka and her presence being there, uh -huh, it's going to be a lot of wondering. And we know how Dave Filoni doesn't like to reveal everything, especially when it comes to the Force and Mortis. So, like I said, I'm not. It's going to be curious to see if he's going to reveal too much or just leave little breadcrumbs or have us because you know he likes to have fans speculate and not give definitive answers. So. I'm hoping it's he gives us a little more than he usually does, but at the same time, not a whole lot. So, mm -hmm. and well, just one, so anxious to see what he's going to give us. One thing I did notice just rewatching that trailer before we started recording, um, and I paused it on that image of you know the that mural or whatever of the father, the son, and the daughter, and it looks like just within that imagery, you see what looks like a picture or something of like the Lothal Jedi temple or just, you know, one of those big sort of mound things that you see on Lothal is like in the background of the picture behind them, which makes me think like, this is not some imagery of them that just happened to pop up on Lothal. Like whoever drew this or whoever put that there, like somehow they are important, like to the planet itself, or maybe that's where they originated from or something crazy like that. That would be interesting. Yeah. If that, that's where they came from. Because, you know, the father did mention that, you know, where they had to come, you know, to the planet Mortis because of how powerful they were and how the son and daughter became so strong in the light side of the dark side of the forest. So it was the only planet that can contain them. So it would be interesting if that was their origin was on Lothal, just add more significance to that planet. Yeah. Man, I don't know. That's <laughs> going to be crazy. But I get the feeling we're definitely in for some interesting revelations over the next few weeks. Yeah. Like I said, just, you know. Hopefully Dave Filoni gives us more than he usually does. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I mean, he might not give us much as far as like tweets and stuff, but um, I mean, I think he's going to give us a lot within those episodes themselves. And then I think probably after the fact, like once the whole series is done, I think, you know, they'll probably be, um, you know, they probably won't be too shy about talking about things just in the Rebels recon and all that kind of stuff and maybe give us some extra tidbits there. Yeah, maybe Henry Gilroy or someone else will. Begin. But Dave Filoni will always try to play coy. <laughs> yeah. Remember how long it took him to acknowledge that was Obi-Wan, even though we got the trailer for season three? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, we knew that was him the whole time. Yeah. He goes, was that Obi-Wan? No one said his name. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's just him having some fun and, you know, playing with fans a little bit. Because, I mean, we all knew that was Obi-Wan. Yeah, just knowing how reluctant he is to say anything, even though we all know it. Like he always likes to have, like you said, have fun with the fans. At the same time, I just want to hear it from his mouth too to really get the yeah. full explanation as him far and, as what he was trying him, to do in these stories. Him and his Ahsoka lives question mark T-shirts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right too. Oh man! And then hopefully, I mean, I know this might sound kind of greedy, but like as soon as Rebels is over, I'm going to be like, okay, can now can Dave tell us like what else they've been working on? Because you know we <laughs> know they've nice. got something else up their sleeves. Yeah, he always likes to do these interviews after season finales and stuff. And now this is a series finale. I'm sure that question will be asked whoever's interviewing, like, what's next for you and what's next for Star Wars animation, and mm -hmm. that's when he'll be really coy. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I still remember him doing that like when clone wars got canceled and they didn't obviously announce star wars rebels right away but he did say that you know there's going to be another project coming from louisville animation and we're going to do another series so um yeah hopefully we'll at least get a teeny bit of information about what's coming next um around the time that rebels wraps up yep which is going to be here before you know it mm-hmm 
But um, speaking of wrapping up, I think we're just about at the end of uh, our time here. But before we go, as always, Tim, uh, we have any listener responses and feedback and stuff to some of the uh, the stuff that we've been talking about here? Uh, yep. We got some responses about uh, Solo, the trailers, and the news about uh, Benioff and Wise creating a new film of Star Wars or a new series of Star Wars films. Uh, but first off, put up a few polls. Uh, first one regarding the Star Wars Rebel trailer, since we were just talking about that. Um, asking what everyone's favorite moment was from the trailer, and the choices were uh, the moments with Kanan and Hera, Emperor Palpatine, Ezra and the Loth Wolves, and the Mortis Connections. And coming in at 14% was Ezra and the Loth Wolves. And third place was uh, Kanan and Hera at 17%. And 26% was the Mortis Connections and Winning the re- the poll results was Emperor Palpatine at forty three percent, which I guess I shouldn't be too surprised. But I don't know I was just geeking out so much about the Mortis stuff being revealed. I was <laughs> I guess hoping a lot of people would feel the same way I would about that being the most exciting thing in the trailer. But it's hard to compete with Emperor Palpatine when he's voiced by Ian McDermott. So mm-hmm. <laughs> not too much of a surprise. And then I posted a poll about uh, what everyone thought of Solo now that we've gotten two looks at it with the TV spot in the trailer. And the choices were, it looks incredible, better than expected, still not sure, and it's not looking good. So coming in at last, with only 6%, thankfully to say, is it's not looking good. 20% would still not sure, 33% at better than expected, and 41% for it looks incredible. So... Uh, for those following us on Twitter, looks like the solo trailer had a positive reaction for them, which is good to see. And then some Twitter responses to Solo. Uh, first up was uh, Brian Bailey at Balls and Play. He says, it looks incredible. I'm not sold on Alden yet, but they, that may not matter in the big picture if it gives me everything else. And Martin Elwin at Darmit Studios says, I'm very excited about this news. Many speculate that they'd be perfect for uh, Kotor, speaking about uh, Benioff and Wise in their new Star Wars films. Um, he says, as much as, and as much as I agree with that, I don't know if they will go down that road. I can't wait to hear some concrete announcements like what the films will be about. All in all, I think D&D are great additions to the team involved with moving the next generation of Star Wars movies forward. And then uh, Jones Selig at Jaguar Jones says, I'm so excited for the solo movie and the new saga films to come. I'm a former Disney cast member, and my last position was at the Star Wars launch bay at Hollywood Studios. And boy, that's awesome. You got to work in the launch bay, Joan. I can't imagine how crazy and cool it must have been with the height of new Star Wars films being on the launch bay. Because just going there a few times and also with you, Kyle, the launch bay is a cool area to be in and to work there <laughs> every day. That must have been a cool experience if you're a Star Wars fan just to be immersed in Star Wars for about eight hours or even longer a day on your warship. That has to be so much fun. Yeah, man, seriously. I wish I could work there. I know. <laughs> and then Joseph Golden at CC Star 1138 says, Solo looks really fun and has a lot of elements that really intrigue me about Han's origin. I can't wait to see what Ron Howard has in store for this film. The new Star Wars film sounds great, and it opens the doors to more unique stories set in the Star Wars universe. And then we got a response from Dave from the Hype Train at Hype Train 1. He says, I wasn't originally uh, bothered for a Han Solo film, but the trailer is getting me excited. And then Michael at Jedi Obi Mike says, the Solo trailer totally changed my mind on the film. I'm so excited now. As as far as the Game of Thrones guys, eh, we'll see what they bring us. And then got a couple of Facebook responses regarding Solo and the new Star Wars film announcement. 
Uh, first up was Paul Gant. He says, um, I wasn't excited before, but I'm pumped for this movie now, especially with all the ideas it spurred in my brain this morning. And he actually sent us uh, a few uh, messages, some of his theories, one of which uh, was kind of intriguing, but also a little crazy at the same time. <laughs> uh, one of his theories is that he's wondering if, because you know, we heard some quotes like by Bob Iger saying we'll learn how uh, he gets the name Han Solo. So Paul was thinking that maybe this movie would tell us how he becomes Han Solo. And like, what if he goes to the whole movie with having a different name? And over the course of the movie and the events that happen, he has to end up taking on the name Solo. Which I think, I don't know, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility of happening. Especially the way in the trailers, they made a point to not have him say Solo whenever someone would, you know, ask who he was or they know who he really was. It would just be silence and then we get the title card saying solo so i wouldn't rule it out of the possibilities that maybe solo wasn't his birth name and someone along the course of the movie gives him that name of solo and you know he lives on with it uh for you know until his untimely demise from kylo ren so it'll be interesting if that plays out but the one crazy part i'm sorry go ahead well i was just gonna say or he could go by that name the entire movie and that could be the thing that kira knows about him that nobody else does is that that's not Mm. actually his name but see that would Uh, be weird to me though that then like you have ben solo who inherited like a made-up name if that wasn't han's actual name or at least his actual last name like or it could be something where he never knew like it was like he was an orphan, never knew his parents and what his actual last name would be. And, you know, he just never had a last name. And then he finally got one over the course of the movie. That's through true. Whatever circumstance. So. Yeah, there's different ways they can go about it. But the part of Paul's theory that I think is a little out there, <laughs> I don't see happening. He's even thinking that maybe he'll get a different face at the end. And this is going to the whole thing about how maybe Alden, Aaron Wright doesn't look exactly like Harrison Ford. He was speculating that, you know, along with having to get a new name, he would need to get a new face to change his identity. And he brings up uh, the Obi-Wan episodes of Clone Wars, uh, huh. where he had to go undercover and change his face. So that's something I never even thought of. But, you know, props to you, Paul, for making that connection and bringing back that Obi-Wan art. Because that was pretty cool seeing that aspect, <laughs> you know, going undercover with, with Star Wars technology. And Obi-Wan changes his identity to Reiko Hardeen. So I don't think we're going to see that in the film. But again, yeah, I don't think so either. It's been it's not like it's unprecedented in Star Wars, but so it is out there. Yeah, I mean, but if anyway, anything, he's he's more in need of a new voice than a new face if we're trying yeah. to make him exactly <laughs> match up with Harrison Ford. I know I was going to say, if anything, you know, if they don't go the face route, you know, they're probably even tech or. They gave him that bug that changed his voice. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. like a little, like, droid, like, yeah, like a, a bug-looking droid thing that he, like, swallowed. Yeah, that was a big old thing because, you know, Obi-Wan and Reiko Hardin didn't sound alike. So maybe, you know, the younger Han Solo would just have to take a smaller version of that. <laughs> yeah. Sound more like Harrison Ford, but... Um, yeah, but thanks for the speculation, Paul. It was fun to read and hear your take on what could possibly happen and for the Clone Wars connection, too, which is cool. And then Jason Morgan says, uh, it's looking good. Can't wait in regards to Solo. Then Brian V. Klein says, it's less comedic than I thought. With all of the Lord and Miller goings on, uh, the trailer had more of a Rogue One feel to me. I liked it. And then Michael Cohen, of course, from the Rebels podcast said, it's hard to tell from such a brief look, but I'm optimistic. I definitely like the style and the music is awesome. So glad they're trying something new. 
hopefully that's what the actual score sounds like. And he sums it up perfectly in regards to everything, just saying, I like Star Wars. <laughs> and that's the feeling we have when, at least for me, when talking about all this stuff and the future and possibility of Star Wars, it is how great it is to be a Star Wars fan, like we always say. So mm-hmm. it's just awesome. But uh, Mike also brought up the score. Uh, music for the trailer we didn't talk about that but i know that was a cause for contention amongst uh, some fans i saw on social media of how it doesn't fit and it just didn't feel like star wars but i gotta say i thought i didn't it didn't really bother me or take me out of you know just enjoying what i was seeing when i watched the trailer but then when i you know saw a few more times and paid attention more to the music yeah it's different but i still think it fits for what they were showing in the trailer i kind of dug it i don't know if the music was an issue at all for you kyle it wasn't an issue for me. I actually liked it, but I never put too much stock in the music that they play in the trailers because it's never, never music from the actual movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, aside from maybe like some TV spots here and there, like I know, um, I remember for The Force Awakens, like they put um, the Jedi Steps theme in like one of the TV spots, but the trailers always have music that is like, made just for the trailers to highlight, you know, the big emotional moments and stuff that they're showing off there. So um, I would say if you like the music in the trailer, don't get too attached to it because we don't know that that's what the music in the movie is actually going to sound like. And on the flip side, like if you hated the music in the trailer and you think it's not Star Wars enough, then I wouldn't worry about it too much because there's a good chance that that won't actually be in the movie. Um, we have really no indication at this point, except that it didn't really sound that much like John Williams. And we know that John Williams is composing a theme for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it probably will end up sounding a bit more kind of classic Star Wars feel as far as the music goes. That would just be my guess, but I'm kind of okay with it either way. Yeah. If anything, maybe it won't sound exactly like that or even hear the themes or that score played in the trailer, but I think it would be kind of cool if it gave us a little hint for what the composer was going for, for maybe certain moments in the film. I mean, not necessarily that particular track, but we'll hear similar pieces of music that are sound familiar to what we heard in the trailer, which I think would be kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, that's it for the responses. Thank you, everybody, for chiming in on your thoughts for what was an eventful Star Wars week, to say the least, especially with Solo and all the information we got about it. And before we wrap up, though, Kyle, uh, reading these responses about solo or made me remember something uh, that was revealed in the entertainment weekly article that I forgot to touch on. And that was where one of the images they released, it revealed a new planet that we're going to be going to on in, in solo with star Wars story, which is the planet Midban. And they said, it's actually a planet, you know, we've seen before in star Wars, but not necessarily in the main Canon as it was a planet that was in splinter of the mind's eye, which was, kind of the first uh, novel to come out after A New Hope back in 1978. So it's described as, you know, a stormy planet. It's very hazy. It's going to be filled with marshlands. And it's that type of atmosphere, which in the image they released had a group photo of kind of like some Imperials in almost look like AT-AT or General Veer style type helmets and outfits. And then there's a 2-1-B droid there. So it's going to be cool to see another different, unique type of Star Wars planet in Solo, a Star Wars story, and one that has, uh, you know, ties to Star Wars history. But, Kyle, you brought to me that it actually has had a canon appearance, which I didn't remember at all, but <laughs> you brought to my attention that we've had heard the name Midban before. Yeah, or well, Mimbon, I guess, if you want to... Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's cool that they're sort of digging this up from the old EU and stuff with the Splinter of the Mind's Eye, but just when I saw this name, I was like, gosh, why does that sound so familiar, this planet Mimban? <clears throat> and it was mentioned in a Clone Wars episode in Rookies when um, there's like a, a female droid who's kind of like the radio DJ, um, and she's like, all right, and this next one goes out to you know, the, the mud jumpers of the whatever legion, you know, slugging it out on Mimban. Um, at least I think that's, it's, if it's not Mimban, it's another planet that sounds awfully similar in name. So, um, I thought that was a cool yeah, connection. It there. was definitely and that. <laughs> we'll obviously get to, uh, finally see that planet on screen now. And I'm guessing that this is probably the planet either where Han joins up with the empire or where he ditches them and maybe meets Chewie for the first time. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool because you know harsh weather conditions. They always said it's a planet like the atmosphere is full of thunderstorms, and instead of the Imperials getting their hands dirty, they would have slave Wookies doing the hard labor work on here or something. So that, that would make sense if that's where Han meets Chewie. Yeah, that would be pretty but, cool. Yeah, but I just think it was really cool. I remember they said it on Clone Wars first. <laughs> you told me that, and like, oh man, I don't remember that at all. But popped it or clicked on the episode real quick on Netflix and heard that droid say it. It was like, yep. That's exactly it. So, got to say, good callback on that front, Kyle. Yeah, <laughs> I was just one of those one of those random things that just popped into my head. In fact, like a few days ago, when this first came out, and I I first saw that name, I was like, oh gosh, where do I know that from? And I couldn't remember, and I just completely forgot about it. And then today, when we were going over stuff, um, you know, before we started recording, for some reason, it just popped into my head, and clear as day, I was like, oh, it's from that one scene in Rookies, um, which just goes to show you how obsessively i used to you know just watch clone wars episodes over and over again back in like college um <laughs> but hey it's a good show oh definitely love me sad to say wars. i guess it i guess it shows that i haven't watched it enough if i couldn't remember that <laughs> even though <laughs> i've watched them numerous times clearly not as much as you yeah well you know it's those little details that just randomly stick in there but hey somebody at lucasfilm clearly remembered it so um well actually maybe not because they only mentioned splinter of the mind's eye they didn't even mention the clone wars episode so yeah <laughs> um but yeah that's pretty cool um, yeah so had to throw that in there before we wrapped up because a new planet's always a big deal when we learn more about it <laughs> for a new star wars movie yeah well i mean we're gonna have probably several new planets in that movie but that's the only named one we've got so far i think mm. um but anyway yeah i mean obviously lots of of cool new stuff whether it's you know ships planets um all kinds of new story stuff and characters and all that good stuff to look forward to um as always with new star wars movies um but i think that's about gonna do it for now thank you guys for tuning in and uh you know again thanks to all you guys who chimed in on social media and all that kind of stuff um, we always love hearing from you and uh getting your take on you know all this cool star wars stuff that we're uh, talking about and um, you know, just kind of gauging everybody else's reactions and opinions and stuff. Glad to know you guys are all, uh, or mostly seem to be pretty excited for, um, for the solo movie now. Um, and like I said, it was kind of cool to see how many people were not that excited for it at first. And now that we've seen a trailer, you know, a lot more people seem to be on board for it. So, um, it's going to be an exciting year coming up with, uh, you know, just that movie and rebels and all this kind of stuff, you know, packed into the first half of the year. So, Buckle up, it's going to be a fun ride, and uh, 
you know, thank you guys for listening. We're glad to have you along with us. So um, as always, you can follow us on social media at, uh, you know, follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. You can send us email at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com. Um, you can find our website at Star Wars TSC.com. And you can check out uh, thunderquack.com for all the other awesome podcasts in the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Um, and that's going to do it for now. Thank you guys again for tuning in. We will see you next time and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody. <laughs>